When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, team. Hit the end of the week. We're at the 3rd of February. Hope some of you get an opportunity to have a nice uh, long weekend. And I actually heard Smithy saying this morning, and he was echoing my sentiments, particularly the people that have been affected by all of the moisture in our atmosphere at the moment. You can get a few clear days. Um, while I'd love you to have a break, I know there's so many of you that have been directly affected, and you can get a decent crack at having a good old clean-up and... People will be mucking in and helping their friends and family and communities in that cleanup as well. So let's hope for a dry one over the next few days, eh? And if you're having a break, um, you'd, everyone deserves it as well. Uh, coming up today, uh, we're going to talk to James Burridge. He is the BBC's rugby commentator for the Six Nations. Uh, we'll go through them game by game, and there'll be some talking points to pop out of that as well. And that's going to be our midday madness as well. Um, with that getting underway this weekend, I want to know, now we do have world rankings, I know that, and um, Ireland are number one ranked team, but you, because world rugby rankings don't always truly reflect, because it's a statistical type thing. In your mind, one through six, give me your one through six power rankings. Who are the best teams in the world? Because we've had recency with the end of year tour, we've had coaching changes, the landscape's changed. Eddie Jones is into Australia, Steve Borthwick's into England, Warren Gatland is into Wales, the All Blacks have still got Ian Foster. So there's been changes and there hasn't been changes when maybe there should have been. I want your world rankings, one through six, in your learned minds. So that'll be the first hour. James Burridge at one to get him to cast his eyes over the Six Nations. Uh, the Jeremy Paul Show will return again today. Oh, return from last week. It was there last week as well. He talks to us uh, every Friday. Probably touch on Six Nations with him. And I want to quiz him about this collective bargaining agreement that's a bit of a stumbling block for the NRL at the moment. Was it? Did any of that ever happen in the Wallabies' time? Was there ever you know, uh, conversations behind closed doors that they weren't happy contractually or, you know, it's been a while, he's been out of the game for a while now, but just interested to get his take on it as well. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, this has been a real uh, mission of mine to get someone on the Teams Champs, Superstocks Teams Champs in Palmerston North this weekend. I've had a yes he will chat to us from Frankie Wayneman Jr. He is the captain of the Great Britain team that will be taking part there in Palmerston North. It is a massive event this weekend. I went from when I was about seven till I was about 20 every single year. It is entertainment. It is the highest quality speedway. And a lot of people, it's the only speedway they go to in Palmerston North. It's such an awesome event. And I really wanted to cover it. So Frankie Wayman, I've been in touch with his manager. I've been in touch with him. He's messaged me back this morning saying, yep, keen to talk. What time? I've told him 2.30. Haven't had a reply yet. So hopefully between now and 2.30, he says, yes, no problem. So let's hope Frankie Wayman Jr. uh, will come on. Also on the back of yesterday's conversation, 
about uh, sports broadcasting rights and the landscape of how sport is watched right through the world. And then I want to talk about New Zealand and Australia as well, but there's signs over in the US that the, the landscape is really, really changing. So Colin J. Smith, he's Global Sports Media. He's um, the principal of that company. He's been involved with sports broadcasting his whole life. Very learned man. We'll chat to him after three. Uh, Jimmy Smith across the ditch as well. We'll also, um, what games have we got? What fun have we got? We'll find out what's making news. That's always fun. The Vault, brand new Vault at 245. Um, brand new Vault, so it'll be $100 today. But you do have the luxury of seven questions to pick Sammy's. Big sporting moment in the vault. But Midday Madness with the Six Nations getting underway this weekend. What are your rugby power ratings heading into Rugby World Cup year? Um, coaching changes, personnel changes. Manu Tuolangi dropped from England. Uh, new look back line for them. Um, Ireland on a tear. France will be hosting. So your personal rugby ratings as at right now. We're about to see international rugby grace our screens this weekend. Three games in the Six Nations. Super rugby's not far away. I want your rugby rankings. Give us a yell. 0800 150811. Well, listen, Buster. You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. And down we go to Christchurch. Quite often kicks us off, and he always sets a good tone, does Mikey. G'day, Mikey. <laughs> G'day, Staffy. <laughs> I'm looking forward to your show today. You've got some good guests on. Mm. Hey, um, yeah, this, is, uh, this may change after the Six Nations, but for my mind, I've got Ireland at one, France in two, uh, England at three, Ooh. South Africa four, um, and New Zealand five, and probably Australia six. That's 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 the order I've got us, and I oh, wow. uh, don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the like it. <laughs> um, and I tell you what, we've got us at five. But I tell you, old Eddie, he's gunning for us. He's talking the big talk, and I wouldn't surprise me if Australia beat New Zealand. Particularly if they play in Australia, they probably would. But mm. yeah, I don't know. Scary times. Scary but, times. But exciting for the uh, for the guy just standing on the street. Not, but if you're not an All Black supporter. It's going to be an amazing World Cup. Uh, personally, I'm just chewing my bloody nails off. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be a tough old year. It's, it's such an interesting rugby year this year. And because it's it makes all the rugby before the World Cup even kicks off, makes it so much more important, so much more engaging, and it's appointment viewing. So much so, this Six Nations, I can't wait. Oh, absolutely. What you, I mean, these guys, I mean, I, th- I think France are playing in Ireland this week, aren't they? So... That's a that's a huge game. No, oh, God, um, Wales. I've got that wrong. Wales are hosting Ireland this week. Wales are hosting Ireland. France are ah. in Italy. France are in Italy. Right, right. Mm. Well, they're, they're, I mean, I think all the games are going to be fantastic. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess I mean there'll be there'll be callers who probably put France number one, and that's fair enough. I mean, I've got it at their home this mm. year for the World Cup. But um, I mean, Ireland are my second favourite team anyway. So you know, go there. Go them, go them. All right, Mikey, good stuff, buddy. Thanks for kicking us off. Thank you. Bye. Let's go to the life member, Zaid. Welcome in, Zaid. Hello. Champion. Um, All Blacks 1, France 2, Ireland 3, England 4, 
Australia 5, uh, Argentina 6. How have you got the All Blacks at 1? Justify that. Well, they had a pretty good back end of last year. Mm. Uh, they won six games in a row. Um, they still won the Rugby Championship, still won the Bledisloe Cup. Um, they drawed with England. Um, so, so, yeah. Lost to, lost to Ireland. Lost to Ireland, drew with England. You still got them as the best team in the world? Well, was anyone consistent last year, though? Was who who consistent, did you say? Anyone. France and Ireland, they were consistent. France haven't been beaten about 10 or 11 games in a row. Yeah, but it's pretty inconsistent. If you look at everyone in the Southern Hemisphere, there was no no consistent. England were consistent either. Of Africa, we had Aussie lost to Italy. Yep. I've got no issue with Aussie being lower down. Um, I just can't see anything but Ireland and France, one and two, either either. either. Just They've just been on an absolute tear. Um, and I think New Zealand might have dodged a bullet by not playing France at the end of year tour. Yeah, maybe. If it, here we, here, here's a um, mythical question for you, Zaid. If the All Blacks had have played France on the end of year tour and France had beaten us, remember England drew with us when there's no way they should have, but they did, would that change New Zealand down from number one for you? He hung up. No, I think it crashed, actually. I don't think he was happy with you, Steph, to be honest. Mm. You two were going toe-to-toe there. No, Zaid can hack it. Zaid can hack it. I can hack it, but, you know, maybe... He did seem a little bit, you know, short short fuse today. No, I, th- um, I think our phone box has just crashed. Actually. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he was pretty adamant though. He was. He really was. Um, text us through double eight double three is the temper and bed post text machine. I've noticed that one of one of the wonderful SENZ hosts is temper and bed post. I've always struggled with temper bed post. So if I chuck an and in there, it's easy. So temper and bedpost text machine, double eight, double three. Give me your top. What did I ask for? Six. I thought Mikey was going to get mine exactly the same, but he didn't. He didn't. I've actually got one glaring difference to Mikey. 0800 150 I'm just wondering if you take a break now or after one more call. One more call before the break. Pete from Whangarei. Uh, g'day, Pete. How are you, mate? Good, thank you, Pete. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Zade might have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Um, <laughs> because he, one, there was one glaring omission from his six, apart from the fact that uh, yeah, I can't agree with his order. I mean, he, he didn't even have South Africa in his top six. Mm. Um, yeah, so for me, um, oh, yeah, it's uh, Ireland one, France two, South Africa three, New Zealand four, England five, and six is a... Yeah, six for me. I, I it's either it, it could be, be at the moment. I, I, I I'm hard. To, it's hard to separate um, Australia and Argentina, and you could possibly throw Scotland in there as well. Mm. And maybe even Wales. You know, I'm on a watching brief to see what Gatland well, can do right. with Wales. Yeah, that and and that that those those are the variables. Uh, Eddie and 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 Gat, um, what they can they can do. I, 
for that team. I mean, I, I had a look at Gat's selection. I mean, he's, he's got some um, some of the old faces uh, in that starting lineup, um, and even on the bench, I see he had Alex Cuthbert in there. I think those guys haven't been seen mm. for a while um, under under um, Pivac's tenure. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things shape up. But I, I like you, I, I think. It's pretty exciting um, few months coming up leading into the World Cup to see how how, how things play out. Play out. I mean, not sure everyone's not going to be um, showing everything that they've got, but um, as you know, you, you, you've got to build momentum heading into the World Cup, and people will start picking their their preferred uh, 22, and um, and things will start taking shape. So. Think we're in for uh, some, some good rugby. I do too. I think potentially the best rugby year we've, you know, and I'm talking in ten months that I can remember for a long time. Like I'm so invested in the Six Nations because we've got the top two teams in the world. Makes it so watchable for for a rugby fan. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be fair to say I, I haven't, I haven't, I don't always take great interest in, in um, the Six Nations, but I definitely will be this time around. Mm, same here. Thanks for the call, buddy. Good chatting. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Pete from Whangarei. And I hope everyone up the far north, you get a bit of a dry spell so you can uh, address the issues up there. We'll take a, our first break and we'll be back. I've got uh, Simon and Cliff in the wings. You can join them. 0800 150 Let's go. 0800 150 if you want to give me, well, no, not if you want to. I want you to call me and tell me the your power rankings, your ratings of the top six New Zealand New Zealand, the top six rugby teams leading into this international uh, window of games with the Six Nations, which I'm very, genuinely very excited to watch. We go to Simon in Hamilton. G'day, Simon. Yeah, g'day, Mark. How are you today, all right? Very well, Simon. Yeah, uh, happy New Year. First time I've called this year. I've been uh, stuck in, inside the butchery. I'm out and about doing a few deliveries today, so it's good to get out and listen to a bit of, bit of talk. Brilliant. Now, on your butchery, on your butchery, I told my sister, next time, next time, get your sausages. She did and she loves them. She's converted. That's the way. That's it. That's it. Uh, <laughs> hey, um, my ranking is France at one, Ireland at two, New Zealand at three, South Africa at four, um, England at five, and a bit of a smoky, I think Argentina are going to be right there this year. Mm. So you're not, buy, uh, you're not buying into the Eddie Jones speak that they are on the rise? Well, if they're on the rise, it's only because of one man who's suffered all the heartache for the last three years, and he's been, um, he's been given the uh, poker stick up the rear end, you know, so yeah. Feel sorry for him. So, get, um, typically Eddie Jones comes in and, and and goes well for that first 12 to 18 months. But if he has half the uh, um, injuries that um, Ren's had, um, he's going to struggle. You know, they just don't have the depth. Yeah. And news this morning too that uh, Matt Gitto's retired from all rugby, so Eddie can't call on him again. He <laughs> <laughs> Right, I bet. <laughs> hey Simon, before before you hang up, um, tell everyone where to get the best gourmet sausages. Oh, our local butcher, 
little place called Hamilton Wholesale Meat in Hamilton. Yep. Hamilton Wholesale Meats, and you, you gave me about three different varieties and I love them all, so absolutely brilliant. Yeah. All right, mate, no problem at all. Good on you, mate. There you go, okay, people. You too, mate. People, it's still barbecue weather. Hamilton Wholesale Meats, their gourmet sausages are off the hook. Cliff from Dunedin. G'day, Cliff. Yeah, afternoon, Steffi. Hi, Cliff. Yeah, another scorcher down here today. Good on you. Good on you. <laughs> Dry as a bell, too. Jeez. Yeah, um, my, uh, well, top six. I, I'd have to go France, number one, because it's at home, and I think they, they dual win. Uh, they've got a good side. If their captain's there and inspirational, uh, they, they'll be they'll be very tough to beat. I could see them getting in the final. It's just whether anyone else can go over there and tip them over. Uh, Ireland, second. Then, um, then, then it's an interesting one. I think England and South Africa didn't show much in the past year. I don't think they played their best sides by any means. South Africa, if they want to win the World Cup, they'll they'll go out and say, well, the coach can pick anybody he wants. You can, you can drag them back from French, French rugby or whatever, mm. and, it, and it might be a more white side. I'm not, I'm not being racialist or anything, but they might not have that sort of, Let's try and give as many of our locals or the you know the other boys a go. But if they pick a very strong unit, they'll be hard to beat. I, I put them in the top four. Uh, Australia, the, they they struggled last year because they two of their, their best players didn't play. Their captain, mm. the, the flankers, uh, yeah, they they've got a chance. Um, England, the same. They, they were much the same too. They, they didn't play a very good unit at all. But I think in the World Cup year, they've proven that they've won it. Uh, so England, South Africa and Australia are previous winners. If they can get their best teams up, they'll be semi-finalists, all of them banging. And then, you know, Wales, Argentina, I don't think Argentina are going to do any that great over there. They might tip somebody up, but I, I doubt it that they're a, a top six side going forward or even a potential semi-finalist. Uh, Wales and Scotland. The Scotland, the Scotland are a useful team, and they might surprise. But yeah, definitely uh, France All Blacks final would be nice. And uh, yeah, if we can tip them over, we'd be deserved champions. That would be an amazing World Cup title to go to France and beat France in France for a Rugby World Cup. That would be an incredible effort. I think so. After playing, you know, you'd have to beat say. South Africa and England before quarter and semi-final. Win your pool, hopefully. Well, it doesn't matter if you didn't win your pool. You're just going to have to beat those other five good sides. You're going to have to beat two or three of them to probably get in the final. And uh, like I say, you know, there's going to be the part the France will be will be humming with French with French people, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a big year. Mm. But it'll all depend on the squads. You know, I think some of those teams, their squads could be quite different. They could be a lot more strength, a lot more guys that have played a lot more test rugby in some of those teams like South Africa, Australia and England. They'll suddenly have a lot of players with test caps that haven't sort of been playing much lately and they'll be a lot tougher. Mm, it's such a... Every, every caller I've spoken to so far this morning, I'm just even getting more excited for the year of rugby because um, a lot of years is just same, same, but there's so much on it this year. And I think what lends itself to that, Cliff, is New Zealand aren't 
top of the world, uh, either in rankings. I mean, we've had a few text messages. In the text messages, uh, Glenn's got New Zealand at number one. That's it. And Zaid had New Zealand at number one. I've got someone who's got France number one, but won't win the World Cup. New Zealand number two, and they will win the World Cup. That's what I wanted, actually, Ken, is exactly how you've phrased it. It's not who's going to win the Rugby World Cup. Right now, today, February 3, your rankings. Things can change by the time the World Cup comes along, and we'll do that to death in the lead-ups and once we see squads and who's long-term injured. But right now, here today, your rankings at the moment. So um, Ken's picked up on that. Actually, I'll give you Ken's because he's a good rugby man. France won't win the World Cup, number one. New Zealand, number two, who will win the World Cup. South Africa, three. England, four. Australia, five. Ireland, six. Wow. I don't know if anyone's going to have them as low as six, apart from you, Ken. For what it's worth, mine, I've got Ireland one today. That could well change by the end of the Six Nations. So we're not stuck to it. This isn't a, this isn't crystal ball who's winning the World Cup. But right now, as at today, I've got Ireland one, France two, South Africa three, New Zealand four. And then I'm tossing up Australia, England. Um Probably Australia than England. Probably Australia. And I, I feel like the big improvers this year, potentially, not that they will, but they have the ability this year is Australia. As a number of callers have said, stay fit, stay healthy, have a good squad, all buy in behind Eddie. When Australia get momentum in the world of rugby, they're a tough nut to crack, and we've seen that at World Cups before. Take a break for new sport and weather. We'll be back with Bernard and anyone else that rings 0800 150 11. What are your rugby rankings? You better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. We're back on track. We're talking about who your rankings are. You're just a general discussion. Like, I'm genuinely um, excited about the prospect of the Six Nations. And I would, I actually think more than any other Six Nations in my lifetime because France and Ireland are one and two. And in my mind, doesn't have to be in your mind at the moment. And I just, I'm just so looking forward to the matchups this weekend. Wales are playing Ireland, England are hosting Scotland and Italy are hosting France. Um, so three good games. I think they're three good games. Let's go to Bernard now. Bernard, um, you've just made a sandwich. Um, describe it. Or ham and tomato. Oh, <laughs> bit of Molenberg, or do you go white death? What, what, what's your choice? Oh, no, no, just a baguette. Just a big old French stick, that's all. Oh, man, hey, listen, the, 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 the reason I was ringing, it's not really about a ranking or anything, although I think Australia are going to be hard to beat, mm. and I think that's because of not because of James, but, um, of what, what they've gone through through Dave, uh, Dave Rennie. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my, um, my little um, thing is uh, I'd love to see um, um, rugby ban the box kick from the halfback, oh. from the scrums, malls, yes. and, uh, and, and uh, um, rucks or whatever. I don't mind it coming from the, um, a line-out because he's going to get hammered with a forward coming through, but this bullshit of the bloke playing around with the ball Behind a scrum, kicking it up in the air. It used to be 
they gave us a hard time about 10-man rugby. Now it's, it's nine-man rugby, you know? Well, maybe you're allowed <laughs> two per team per half or something like that. No, he's got a 5-8. That's what the 5-8's there for. His job is to put the ball and distribute it out to the 5-8 and let the 5-8 you know, run the game. He's not the general. The general is always a 5-8. Yes. And, uh, these guys are now conductors. You know, they're trying to conduct the orchestra and uh, too much. Um, uh, yeah. No, I don't mind to see him run from the um, back back up the scrum or something like that and have a run, but this bullshit of uh, hanging around, tapping the ball with their uh, their feet. If they start tapping it, let the flanker on the opposite side have a crack at them straight away. <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to late tackle a box-kicking halfback. <laughs> <laughs> we could come up with some I just think it's, I just think I I just really think it slows the game right down. Because um, all he's doing is kicking the open. Um, it's, it's, there's no development coming from that. It's just um, helter skelter. You know. The thing about box and kicks and up and unders for me, I don't know about you, Bernard. When the halfback's got the ball in his hands and he's about to kick it, he's got a hundred percent of the position. As soon as you put it on your boot, you're turning a hundred percent position into fifty-fifty. But why? Why you've already got a hundred? You you just you've just said it beautifully. Yeah. You, you've given away yeah. exactly what you've got. Yeah, you you can't score points without the ball, and all teams seem to freely give away the ball. I remember Robbie Robbie Dean's ethos. Was it Robbie Dean's or was it Todd Blackett? One one of the Crusaders coaches, and I remember hearing him say it, and it was like we like to win games without the ball, and so they'd they'd kick it down. So they were in the, their attacking half, but they give the opposition the ball and just smash them and smash them and smash them, wait for a turnover and score like that. And I was just like, is that rugby? Is, how, is that how rugby's supposed to be? No, it's not. Mm. It's not. But I'll, I'll just quickly tell you, I saw Sid going one day, the mm. opposite halfback from Horofanua went to do exactly what I just said from a scrum. Sid took the ball off his toe. <laughs> As he was going to kick Sid... Sid took the ball off his toe and scored under the, under the uh, goalpost. Oh, and that's why he's super Sid. Yeah. Just yeah. brilliant. So, yeah. All right, I'd better let you get somebody else on. Good chatting to you, Bernard. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Um, good call. Call again one day, Bernard. Um, we go to Joey. G'day, Joey. No, we don't. I've got the hands up from Sammy. I've got the thumbs up from Sammy. Here's Joey. G'day, Joey. Yeah, good day, Steph. Look, I was just thinking before you were talking about different stuff and, and the guy was talking about the block kick. There's, when, there's no variation now anymore, is there? No. You know, I mean, you know, when we when we used to watch, you know, the, the going scissors, that was fantastic. You can still do that. They, they say now, oh, the, the, the other def- defence is up like a, um, a league defence. But you can do that from a free kick or something like that. When, when was the last time you saw anyone double round or do a, do a crisscross, you know, like... Carlos Spencer used to do first five eight. He'd sprint to the second five and and, and dummy him or, or 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 give it to him. You know that sort of variation. Now we're supposed to have the best brains um, in the world. You know, coaching or, or you know uh, as assistants or whatever. Um, I just don't see any variation anymore, mate. You know, it's, uh, I mean, where's all that gone? Eh? Uh, yeah, it's know, it's like now you get two good teams that are reasonably even match matched it's not 
it's more a grind now. Who can grind the other side down rather than who's more expressive? And here's another thing, and I can't remember if it was for the All Blacks or the Hurricanes, but there was a, there was a set move try in Wellington, and it went to Tana, and he turned his back, and there were two dummy runners either side, and he popped it to Christian Cullen, and he went in and scored a try. Set move play. And the other one was the Lima Sopawanga one when he turned his back to the opposition and kicked it backwards over his head. Now, they are memorable because they never happen. And because they never happen, opposition can't prepare for that. I want to see a bit more innovation. Yeah, well, exactly. What about the Zinzan Brook one in South Africa? Yeah. Now, that was fantastic. You know, that, that is variation at, at its best. And, um, you know, and, and I think that's what, we, that's what they, they need. You know, staff, they need to, to someone to go there. I mean, even the halfbacks sprinting around, Aaron Smith's quick enough to double round Bowden Barrett. Bowden Barrett doesn't have to give it to him. Yeah. And, and, and they say, oh, they say the defence might get him. Stand deeper. Yep. You know, it's, it's, I just, we've just lost, lost, lost that. You know, I mean, as I just said to you before, you know, you remember the going scissors. Yes, the triple scissors. The triple scissors. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Good to hear from you, mate. Have a good weekend. Cheers, Joey. Thanks for calling, buddy. Um, few text messages which we will get through. Um, lines are open 0800 150 811 what do they say there's a clear board you're welcome in first in first on 0800 150 811 I want your rugby rankings and any other thoughts you want um, with just this international rugby just around the corner uh, kicking off with Wales and Ireland Warren Gatlin back in charge Um, England Scotland Steve Borthwick in charge Italy against France Something you might not know, um, and I'll put it to, uh, well, James Burridge will know. He's our guest just after one o'clock. He's BBC rugby commentator. Um, Italy won five of their last seven games. Five of their last seven, including beating Australia and including beating Wales. And I'm imagining, I haven't looked it up, but I'm imagining Italy are playing in Rome. That'll be packed. That'll be packed. And the passionate Italian fans are just brilliant. Just brilliant. Um, anyway, give us a call. 0800 150 811. Back with your calls when you ring after this. Welcome back in. 0800 150 811. Keen on your rankings in the world. While we're talking uh, rugby, um, the SENZ Super Rugby Tipping is here. Get yourself involved. Go and register now. It's um, from now until February 24. That must be when game one is. So get yourself in, get yourself mentally prepared. Go and register. It's the SENZ Super Rugby Competition. Um, you can win the ultimate sports experience for you and a mate worth $2,500. You can sign up now. You can play. The website is tipping.senzradio, or one word, .nz. Tipping.senzradio.nz. I'm going to get on. I'm going to get involved. I think a lot of people at work here are going to get on. So, And I'm pretty sure it's uh, visible to everyone um, how we're all travelling. So tipping.senzradio.nz, $2,500 sports experience for you, for you and a mate, or you and your partner, or you and your wife, you and your neighbour. Sam just asked me, you and your dog? No, you can't take Tuka on your sporting, sporting experience, Sam. That's going to be Are you going to play that, Sam? You going to play the tipping competition? I'm partial to a tipping cop. So, yeah. <laughs> That's <sure>. a firm <laughs> yes. <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. I'll definitely play the NRL one. Yes. Um, but, yeah, why not dabble in a bit of SR? Mm. Now, I've, we've been talking about this um, 
where your power rankings are for your international rugby. I actually haven't looked up the official world rankings. I do know Ireland are number one, and I would assume France is number two. Correct. And then I don't know. What's the official rankings? Why don't you take a stab? Okay. Number three is probably New Zealand. Yes. Because of that run of wins they had at the end of the year. Yep. Number four... Um, is the England draw enough to get them to four? South Africa. I'll go South Africa. Correct. England. Correct. What are we up to? Six? Last one. Can you get six from six? Uh, it's going to be Australia, Argentina or Wales. I'll say... I'll say... Argentina. Oh. I was going to give you big winning bells here if you got that. Uh, Australia. Oh, is it? But what you're probably more interested to know, Steph, is that uh, the Cayman Islands are the biggest movers in the rankings at the moment. They've gone from 58 to 54. Oh, that's a big surge. And up. the biggest losers? Uh, Mexico. Ooh, down eight places from 43 to 51. Did the Cayman Islands beat them? Maybe they did. Maybe that's why we're getting some big changes in those lower ranks. Of where's the-, the Cayman Islands? Is that west- No, where's the Cayman Islands? Couldn't tell you. Um, uh, sounds French, so I'm thinking Indonesia. I was going to go West Indies, but I think that's wrong. Let's have a quick Came, look, shall we? I, I feel like it's Indonesia. Micronesia. Uh, Came just having a look here. British, that's a British territory. Um, it is zooming out. Oh, no, it's near Jamaica and Cuba. Yeah, oh. so it says in West Indies. So you you nailed that one. <laughs> I'm um, actually going all right today. You're doing pretty well, mate. It's good, good for you hey, on a Friday. We should get someone from the Cayman Islands Rugby Union on one, one day. And just see what what go what goes with rugby. I tell you over what, there. there's a lot of interesting countries on here around that sort of Cayman Cayman Islands ranking. Uh, Moldova, Guyana, mm. Bulgaria, um, Luxembourg. How good would it be, Luxembourg Rugby Union? Oh, I bet they punch above their weight. Um, and can I just bring up a text here as well that's come through from Brad, who is our notorious uh, NBA tipster, who said uh, his NBA power plays for today. Uh, he had a big collect yesterday. Uh, Labam, and I like he calls him Labam, and so that's LeBron, of course, and Luka Doncic combined for 65-plus points, 18-plus boards, and 16-plus assists at five bucks. Yes, Brad, we are already on that. Are got on really? that this Before yep. he texted it. Yeah, got it on this morning. Uh, into, I got on that, um, Steph, into the Phoenix against the Melbourne Victory tonight. This was one of Ricardo's picks yesterday. Melbourne Victory, bottom of the table, bottom of the A-League ladder, the Phoenix in third place. The Phoenix paying $3.20. Are you serious? Yeah. So multi to 320 into your Le, uh, LeBron Doncic uh, multi uh, sort of power play there, Brad, and you get yourself like, I think it's what was uh, it? $16 odds. $16, odds. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. He's got a couple of others here as well. Randall and Jokic to, uh, combined for 50 points, 24 boards, 16 assists at sixes. And a little bit outrageous, Halberton double-double and Doncic triple-double at 11s. Uh, but Brad's doing quite well with the power plays at the moment. Mad, so Mad respect to Brad, eh? Yeah. You'd jump on the Phoenix though, wouldn't you? $3.20. Ricardo was very convinced. So they're obviously playing away. Playing away, but Ricardo thinks that's not really enough with the victory playing terribly. So as soon as I see something at three twenty, you, you could probably go Phoenix or draw. Mm. You can have the or draw, or you could have um, Phoenix draw refund. Um, they have all those different uh, the Asian handicap you can have as well with sure. minus one and all that sort of stuff. I'm, yep. I'm going to have a little look about that. Uh, I've been to the Cayman Islands, says Craig. Isn't it a tax haven, the Cayman Islands? I feel like you're right because I feel like quite a few of the online poker companies were based in the Cayman Islands. Yeah, actually a lot of them have Cayman Island addresses, mm. a lot of the footballers as well. Didn't Messi get in trouble because all of his money was sitting in the Cayman Islands conveniently? Oh. 
His life's been a messy for about 10 years. Oh. That, nah, I'm not accepting that one today. <laughs> that doesn't get the uh, that doesn't get the JT. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, speaking of funny laughs, Ado Cars just pulled out of the All Stars game. Why? Uh, wants to be ready for round one of the NRL season for the doggies in April. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Gosh, we can't. I wonder what's going to happen in that one. I wonder what's going to happen in that. Uh, a few um, of your rankings. Mark goes France, followed by Ireland, followed by New Zealand, then South Africa, then England, then Australia. Mark from Christchurch, astute. Um, this is a different Mark. Goes South Africa, then Ireland, then England, then Wales, Argentina, Australia, wowee, no New Zealand. But you're the judge of your rankings. Uh, James D from Auckland, top six for me. Ireland, then France, New Zealand and South Africa, third equal, don't mind that. Fifth, England, sixth, Australia. I can't separate New Zealand and South Africa and sixth place could easily go to one of Australia, Argentina or Scotland with Wales not far behind them either. It's almost, I feel like... I was going to say the top three. Well, for me, the top four, really not a lot in it. My top four, uh, Ireland, France, South Africa, New Zealand. And then the next four, not a lot in it either. I think Australia, England, Wales, Argentina are the next four. Um, is, this the, is this the smallest blanket you've had to knit to throw over the chances for the World Cup? I think potentially it is, um, pre, pre-tournament. Um, Brad's text in and said Phoenix are down two or three centre-backs, though. Could be a leaky Don't defense. tell me that, Brad. Don't tell me that, mate. We don't need that. We don't need that sort of <laughs> negativity, Brad. Okay? I've already put my life savings on it. Just let me have it, man. Let him have it. All right, a few more texts to get to before the news. We'll be back in a moment. Listen to this text from Costa. Hey, boys. My brother played a few test matches for Luxembourg about 20 years ago. I was there for his test debut against Bosnia. It was a great day. He had a barnstormer of a game. Costa, we want to talk to your brother. Absolutely. We definitely want to. So many questions. Um, A Luxembourg international rugby player. Let's make this a world first. Oh, absolutely. Luxembourg and, and Manai flicked a message away to the Cayman Islands, so we could have an all-time show next week with <laughs> both both of the powerhouses of those two. Steph, I've also got a story here, which um, I'm going to classify as, um, you know that film Dodgeball? Yep, and, uh, I loved it. You know, the, uh, that's a bold strategy, Carton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Uh, the sitting morning here on The Age are reporting that South Australia, the South Australian government has approached Cricket Australia over trying to get the Boxing Day test. Or maybe it's the New Year's test. Oh. Do you really think they're going to move that from... Is The, the boxing test is uh, MCG, MCG, and the New Year's test is always... Is it SCG? Not sure where the New Year's one it's is. It's a bold strategy. I think it's... Far potentially out. not going to pay off all of them. No. <laughs> Whereabouts in South Australia do you play? Is it the Wacker? South Australia Mate's is perfect. Adelaide. Adelaide Oval. Beautiful. Oh, that would be bad, actually. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Oh, I'll speak Costa, too soon. text us... And tell us if we're allowed to ring you back to get your details from your brother. We would love to talk to a Luxembourg rugby international. Here comes the news. So Costa, if you're out there, if you're still listening, Costa, just text us to say it's okay for us to give you a ring because I'd love to get um, love to get your brother on the Luxembourg test player. That'd be brilliant. A couple more. Um, 
South Africa, when they pick their best team, they play a different team each week between World Cups. But when the Cup comes around, they'll play their best team. Astute. I'm with that. I'm with that. Hey, Staff, I'm with you. I think I'll be getting up this weekend to watch Six Nations. First time in probably 15 years plus. My rankings, France, All Blacks, we are better than when Ireland beat us. That's why they're number two. Good, good, good stuff. Uh, Australia, third. Then Ireland, South Africa, and a tie between England and Wales. That's from Will. Thank you, Will. And Staffy, I have Ireland only because they rely so much Oh, at number six, only because they rely so much on Sexton. He'll be 37 at the Cup, and he's picking up the injuries and really enjoy the Six Nations. Ken, I knew you'd love it. You're a great rugby aficionado. Last one for now. I will get to the others. Um, uh, France and Ireland tied first and second, then England, All Blacks, South Africa, Scotland, Argentina at seven. After that, I don't care, Brian. (laughs) It's fair. All right, Six Nations. It is... It's on our doorstep. It's just around the corner. Actually, I'll get your times for those as well very shortly. But right now on the line, uh, we're going to catch up with James Burridge. Uh, It's the eve of the 2023 instalment of the Six Nations. It's incredibly important as it's World Cup year, as we've said. And it's great to bring in BBC commentator James Burridge. G'day, James. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Very well. Um... Three interesting games for all different reasons. Uh, I just thought we'd pick our way through them uh, one by one. James Wales Island, the big one for us is Warren Gatlin's back and he's coaching the team that undid the All Blacks. This is a great game to start the Six Nations off with. Extraordinary game when you consider that we just don't know how Gatlin's Wales are going to fire. He's got a bit of a dad's army of a team (laughs) if we're being honest. Um, But you know, do not write off what Gatlin can do. And and that is what all of Wales are hoping uh, that, you know, Wayne, Wayne Pivak was unlucky, uh, but can Gatlin bring back, return a bit of that magic, a bit, a bit of that stardust, uh, try and ignite a Welsh team at home. I think it's important Wales start at home. I think if that had been in Dublin, it would have been a very different uh, set of circumstances for Wales. They, they have to win. Wales at absolutely have to win whether they will or not against the best team in the world right now is another thing and this is the, the great challenge for Ireland because they got so close um, uh, last year and they've con- you continue to to really test the world's best team and beat them they're you know, the number ones for a reason I think the really big thing for me in Ireland is if Sexton gets injured if for some reason he's missing how do they fire without him and frankly that's been the big question about our island. I, you know, Farrell has done a fantastic job, but if they don't have Sexton at 10, how do they fare? Can Ireland get better? Is there improvement in them? I thought they were phenomenal uh, in 2022. I think it it really depends. I mean, I talked about Sexton there. For me, Ty Furlong is just as, just as important. Mm. He's actually been ruled out against Wales um, and, and been replaced by Finley Bielham. So, it's players like that. I sometimes feel when you look at that, the the eight, the set piece eight in all its glory, um, it can be devastating. But, you know, for me, when I've watched Irish provinces down the years on the Irish team, the breakdown is where they thrive. Um, and I think if they, if they can keep that level of intensity at the breakdown, they're an extremely difficult nut to crack. Um, can they get better? Um, 
I think their defence, if they can shut out teams more, I think if they can turn from defence into attack a little bit better. But to be honest, when you look at the Six Nations prior to the, you know, the way the tournament starts, the two best teams in the tournament at the moment are Ireland and France. Now, the question is, which one is one of them going to take a dip? You know, France have been quite lucky that they haven't lost. They've been in many close games and haven't lost them. They're due a defeat, many people think, up here. And I think it'll be interesting if Ireland lose to Wales, which I don't think they will, but if they will, how does that affect them? How does it affect Wales, too, before we leave that game and we mentioned Gatlin's back? How patient will the Welsh fans be? Uh, uh, is there is there a, a realistic expectation, do you feel, in the Valleys that Wales should and, and will win against Ireland? Or are they prepared to give Gats just a little bit more time? Well, I, I think they've just got to they've got to take what they've got now. It's too it's too close before a World Cup. I think the really interesting thing about Gatland was the fact that he was appointed not just for the World Cup but beyond that. And it's a bit like when Gatland's been in charge in the past. What is the biggest priority? Is it being competitive in the Six Nations or is it giving the World Cup a really good a really good shot? I think the other interesting thing about Wales Ireland is I'd expect Ireland to have a lot of the ball. And Wales just to have to be relentless in defence and feed off scraps mm. because Ireland, Ireland, when they have possession, they're not they're not a team under Farrell at the moment who likes to play without the ball. <laughs> they like to have the ball and hold on to it and really penalise teams and put them under a great deal of pressure. And that Welsh team has just their defence has got to be so strong. It's got to be relentless. We talk about the breakdown. Um, you know, you look at the back three for, for Wales. You've got Morgan. You've got Tipperick, you've got um, Falatau, and for Ireland, you've got Omani, you've got Van der Fleer, World Player of the Year, you've got, you got Doris. You know, that back three breakdown is absolutely critical. And if Wales can't snuff that out early on and, and play the long game and take the game to 70, 75 minutes, you know, that they're going to be in real, real trouble. Um, and they need to be absolutely resolute in defence. Oh, I can't wait for that game. Um, I think this is the Six Nations I've looked forward to the most in, in recent memory, actually. Game two uh, doubles as a Six Nations game in a Calcutta Cup. Uh, fierce rivalry, England-Scotland, and not just in rugby. Interestingly, Scotland have won the last two games against England, and they also, England, welcome in a new coach in Steve Borthwick. Yeah, it's a shocking record for England, isn't it? And <laughs> and I think that's a big... That's a big test for Scotland is whether they can believe, whether they believe they can win and I think when you look at the, the fact that Borthwick is now back in charge as, as the Supremo overtaking Eddie Jones now um, whenever a coach is changed there's always a, a change in the mood and the mindset isn't it of the team there's always a, mm. an, an uptick in performance and that's certainly what the players have been saying um, this week like Velis Genge and many others have been saying listen in many ways it, you know it wouldn't have really mattered who they appointed. There would have been a bit of a sea change in the camp, um, you know, fresh perspective, a fresh pair of eyes. And I think the really interesting, there are several interesting things about the Borthwick appointment. But for me, one of the biggest is that with Eddie, it was the Eddie Jones show. You know, there was no one really else in town. We would have had so many grenades thrown by Eddie out in the press this week about Scotland, about the crowd, about the weather, about the media. Um, diversion tactics to take a pressure off a player or put pressure on the player. With Borthwick, it's about re-engaging the crowd, but it's not just about him. 
It's him and Kevin Sinfield. It's the two of them. They are a double act. Sinfield, an absolute hero over here, not just as a rugby league man, but for everything he's done for MND up here and for Rob Burrows, you know, the tragedy for Doddy Weir. And, mm. and I don't know if you guys have been following it, but, but Kevin Sinfield has just been running marathon after marathon after marathon and been raising millions of pounds for the MND foundations up here. And just imagine how those players feel when Kevin Sinfield walks through the door and you just see this immense human being. Mm. You want to go to the line for him. You want to impress him. You want to play for him. Uh, and I just find, I would just imagine that for those England players, he's one of the most inspiring players you could have in your changing room. Add to that, you've got Nick Evans, one of the most creative, dynamic, fun coaches in English rugby right now. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they fare. Steve Borthwick has made um, a bit of a ripple low. No Tuilangi. Um, it's been a long time that, not that he's always been an automatic selection, or has he? And, and, and did this selection surprise you? I think it's, it's... I'm glad in many ways, because I think England have relied on the power uh, and physicality of Tulangi to get them over the gain line, come what may. But I think that, you know, take nothing away from this axis that you've now got playing for England. Marchant is about pace. He's about agility. He's about athleticism about England being able to react quickly and just not rely on the bish-bash-bosh of Tuolangi. Um, and I think when you're looking for... England want to be mobile. I think they want to move Scotland left to right. And you look at... It's not just uh, marching. I think you've got to look at the new boy on the wing and Ollie Hassel-Collins, who's really worked on his game. He's incredibly quick. Um, his form for London Irish has been fantastic. And actually, I find that one of the best things about this selection is that Borthwick has chosen on form. Um, you know, he could have gone for the likes of Jack Noel and Johnny May. They're not even in the squad. Tuolangi's not even in the 23. Mm. You know, I think as, as England fans, they want to see the best players currently in the Premiership and the English Premiership playing for their country and, and not on reputation. And if Borthwick does that, then I don't think there's gonna, he's going to have too many critics. Pretty tall order for um, Italy going up against France, albeit they are at home, and albeit Italy have won five of their last seven international test matches, um, including Wales, including Australia. Is this the best Italy we've seen for a while? I think Italy need momentum, don't they? Mm. Um, and I think you know what Kieran's managing, managed to do, it's about building belief. It's about building momentum. They've got a brutally difficult. Again, I think it, the fascinating thing about um, about the Six Nations is who you start with. And, you know, I think if, if Italy, say, for instance, had started with Wales or Scotland, uh, I'm not doing down the Welsh or the Scots whilst I say this, however, <laughs> but, you know, if, if they had done that, it would, have, it would have made a massive, a massive difference because I think it would have given, they would have given themselves a chance. You know, they go all the way to, to Cardiff and win. They would have Wales at home opening game that would have done wonders for their confidence and their self-belief. Uh, but taking on the French, first up, that's a tall order. Um, it's really interesting. I, I think Italy have got a huge opportunity to... For me, when I've been lucky enough to be in, in Rome and commentate on matches, they've had the crowd with them. And the great sadness about Italy when they were on that losing run is that the crowd, you know, the stadio just wasn't full. It, now that Rome will be full for the home game because they know they can believe in a team who have the ability to create an upset and, and that, that's the magical part of it. 
And of course, um, before we go, talking to James Burridge, BBC commentator on the Six Nations, it looks like a, a collision course that France and Ireland are vying for the number one spot on the podium. It, it's hard to pick who's who's better going into this because there's good spoilers in the Six Nations in Wales and in England, isn't there? Absolutely, Mark. Totally agree with you. And I think that you know the key match many people will look at is Saturday, 11th of February, Ireland in Dublin against France. That'll be a mouth-watering game. Um, at, but, you know, there are so many different stories. And, and you, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier. This is the Six Nations we can get really excited about. Uh, new coaches in Gatland, new coaches in Borthwick. And we've got, you know, two, Ireland and France are two, best, two of the best teams in the world right now. We have no idea how these sides are going to play. Can Ireland play with that weight of responsibility? Can France kind of... France have been on this ridiculous run. You know, in the autumn... They very nearly came unstuck several times, but they managed to find a win. If one of these sides lose, uh, how do they bounce back from that? And you know, if you look at the run, England have got a pretty good start. You know, If they beat Scotland, they've then got Italy, and then they then travel to Cardiff. Uh, and that England-Wales game in Cardiff, I mean, there are no better places in sport than the Millennium Stadium, roof closed, uh, Saturday night in Cardiff, <laughs> uh, England, Wales, Wales, England. It, it's probably one of the best atmospheres you will ever see in live sport. And the, the, the Welsh just put on an incredible um, incredible night. It's not just the stadium that's bouncing. The entire central Cardiff is just this concophony of noise. Um, and if England can overcome that, then suddenly they the self-belief grows in them. And you know, the Eddie Jones era is almost completely forgotten about. You've just added another um, item to my sporting bucket list. England, Wales and Cardiff sounds fantastic. Actually, one last thing. You've just brought up Eddie Jones. What what was the news around, what was the reaction in the UK to Eddie almost immediately being appointed to the Wallabies job? Because we didn't hear much from the England side. It was all um, Australian, New Zealand because they sacked one of our best coaches and Dave Rennie in favour of the evil professor Eddie Jones. Was there any fallout or any discussion that England let Eddie go straight into Australia? The hilarity of it, if you're being a neutral, was that it happened about an hour before England appointed Borthwick and <laughs> 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 announced announced Six Nations squad, sorry. He announced it literally, we were there for the Six Nations unveiling or it was just being announced, we were waiting for it and then literally Eddie Jones was announced one hour before. And so... Eddie has this wonderful way of attracting headlines. I think the shock, I think it was about, I don't think we thought that Australia would sack Dave Rennie, but it was on the cards. If it wasn't going to be now, it was always going to probably be post-World Cup. I think what we don't know is what the um, redundancy clause was, whether there there should have been or not a clause. There obviously wasn't. Should there be a clause in the contract from the RFU which said, okay, fine, we'll pay you off. But for God's sake, don't go and join Australia, New Zealand, or South Africa. <laughs> and that's exactly what he's gone and done. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, are we surprised? Nothing really surprises us. And it doesn't surprise me. And actually, when you look at it, it was, I think, what surprised us was that they sacked Dave Rennie. I think we always felt that someday or other, 
Eddie Jones will be back with Australia. Mm, yeah, it sort of had that air of inevitability. I was just surprised it happened so soon myself, along with you. All right, James, uh, really love chatting the Six Nations with you. We'll roll up our sleeves. I'm going to watch every single game of the Six Nations this year. I, I just won't be able to escape it. It's a, it's a wonderful tournament, and it's an absolute appetiser for the World Cup this year. I appreciate your input today, sir, and uh, we'll catch up again. Good man, Mark. Take care. All the best. Jeez, James. Uh, just brilliant to uh, chat Six Nations. I'm just hurriedly uh, trying to find... Here we go. I'm just going to try and find the times for you. Here we go. Uh, Sunday morning, 3.15, Wales Island. 5.45, England, Scotland. So how I'll attack that. I'll get up and watch England, Scotland live on my Sky Wales Island and watch that after that. Well, they'll probably give me the result of Wales Island, won't they? Hmm. Maybe on my Sky, uh, that's what I'll do. I'm off Sky Wales Island and I'll still get up early and I'll record England, Scotland while I'm watching Wales Island. Then it won't be given away. That's a good idea. And then Monday morning, uh, Waitangi Day, four o'clock in the morning, Italy, France. Um, quite warm favourites all the way through, actually. Ireland over Wales, um, England over Scotland, and, of course, comfortable favourites, France over Italy. We've had a text back from um, Costa about his brother that played for Luxembourg. He said, my brother lives in Ireland, but he listens to the station, so he could be keen for a chat. I'll let him know. We will stay watching, and we'll give you updates. Here's a little update. I can't tell you too much. But SENZ tomorrow, the Saturday session, <clears throat> have an interview at 10 o'clock in the morning that you won't want to miss with a true sporting legend. We can't tell you who it is. And I think, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I know who it is. <laughs> and I think the man for hire is doing the um, interview, uh, Manaya. Um, off the charts, big name, globally. Off the charts, big name. So make sure you're listening to the Saturday session at 10 o'clock. You won't want to miss it. I'll come back with some more of your texts after this break. We're back. Um, some more of your team's rankings. I'll clean those up. Um, hey, Staffy, speaking of drinking the Kool-Aid, is Zayden Ken all right? All Blacks number one. Island number six. Someone check in with them, please. Make sure they're okay. Mikey G, Christchurch. He does say ha, ha, ha. He's just, he's just ribbing. All Blacks number one. I can't have them at number one. They can rise to number one. Absolutely. I don't think they're there at the moment. Stefanato, I hate to say this, but the bloody Brumbies were innovative and good to watch back in the Alarkham, Gregan, Finnegan days. They had a variety of moves that reminded me of the Aller Brothers era for the Wallabies. And I heard stories about people would watch them training and um, they used to walk their backline patterns, just walk. So you didn't have the pressure of speed of pass, running lines, all that, just to get it cemented. And they had grids on the field. We could actually ask Jeremy Paul about this after two o'clock. I think they had grids on the ground and they just had it like cemented into their brain. So it was second nature. So then when it, and then they'd slowly speed it up. You come to game time and they all knew exactly where to be at what time. Fascinating. So yeah, we'll talk to Jeremy Paul. Actually, Jeremy Paul show just after two. So you can start sending in your questions for the great man. Double eight double three. That is the Tampa Bed Post text machine. So get your questions in for um, JP. 
He loves questions from you guys. He really does. Ken, he'll be expecting one from you. I know that. <laughs> he actually said to me, Ken, when I was chatting to him, not on the radio, he said, this Ken bloke, is he a good bloke? I said, yeah, he's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. <laughs> but that's all good. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he knows about Ken. Um, just a bit of uh, information for you too. Uh, the Warriors preseason fixture is the 9th of February. Um, it's going to be open to members only. So here at SCNZ, we're going, we've made it a bit cheaper for you to become a member. Uh, you use the code SCNZ23 at checkout and you get a 10% discount. Uh, so visit warriors.kiwi to find out more. Memberships start at just 25 bucks to get yourself involved. Um, so... Get involved. And in fact, it's quite cool just to be a, a, a member of a club, the one one New Zealand Warriors, uh, even if you're in Vicago, and you can still be a member, even though you're not going to games. I was a member of um, the Fremantle Dockers for two years, never went to Fremantle for the two years. And unusually, well, not unusually, but one of my best mates lives in Perth, and he wanted two tickets. So he just applied for the second one in my name at his address so he could take a client or a friend or a family member. But each year at the start of the year, I got my key ring, I got my cap, I got my bumper sticker, I got my T-shirt, and I was Fremantle Dockers. So you can do that with One New Zealand Warriors. I mean, I saw um, the Mad Butcher. He got his um, supporters pack, and I think it was that sort of stuff, key ring, cap. I think there was a polo or something like that, um, stickers, maybe a flag, um, and be part of it. It's, it's going to be a massive season. Like the first normal season for the One New Zealand Warriors for quite some time. So, um, yeah, if you want to go to that pre-season game, which will be good, you'll get to see all the players I'd remember. It's on the 9th of February. Go to warriors.kiwi. Uh, and as I say, membership starts at just 25 bucks, and you can get 10% off by using the code SENZ23. Go the Wars. Go the Wars. We'll take a break. We'll come back after the new sport and weather. And, of course, that's brought to you by the wonderful John McNeil. Right, we're going to chat some TAB stuff now. TAB.co.nz, that is where all the info is, your scratchings, your results, your early odds, your fixed odds, your futures, everything, the whole lot. And we're going to the great man. And I feel like the planets have aligned to allow me, Palmerston North, to chat to Thaddeus Taylor from Palmerston North on the eve of the Stock Cars Teams Champs in Palmerston North. All roads leave to the speedway, Thad. <laughs> yeah, good afternoon, Stan. Yeah, going to be a big weekend for Speedway. Like the, the sports guys really take a bit of pride in making sure we're leading the way with that, uh, any domestic offerings where we can. Uh, and so, yeah, obviously, the Super Stock Car Team Champs and the Sprint Car Team Champs are up there. Um, just having a bit of a look through here. Um, Michael Pickens, $4.50. Jonathan Allard, $5.50. And uh, that, uh, that Sprint Car Championship outright. So, yeah, those options are there. You can find them. Um, just having a look at the Super Stock Team Champs. Plenty of options there. Let's have a look. Can we find the Palmer's North Panthers? Eight dollars, if you like them. But Great yeah. British Lions, Wellington Wildcat, the Bay Park Busters, the Wanganui Warriors. Uh, yeah, it's all happening. So uh, yeah, there's sort of a special grouping, top three finishes. So yeah, the boys have been busy. We try to make sure we can cover as much Kiwi sport as we can. So as I say, it's all there under the speedway on the left hand side of your uh, web on the website there on the left hand side um, side of it. 
Brilliant. Uh, we've been do- talking a lot of Six Nations on the show. You know, the Test Rugby's back uh, this weekend. Three games in the Six Nations. Hugely important in World Cup here. Um, two closest price Priced ones, well, not really close. I thought they might be a little bit closer. Uh, Wales, Ireland, England, Scotland. Um, have you seen any money, any traffic coming on any of the Six Nations games? Yeah, look, well, not a not a stack staff to be perfectly honest. I mean, France obviously pretty unbackable. Uh, they're at a dollar four, and I, mean, I can't remember the last time they were beaten. You'd know better than I. Um, England a dollar twenty-seven against Scotland. No one's really giving Scotland a chance. There is a sprinkling for Wales against Ireland, because as you say, the, the discrepancy there does look quite large on the eye. Ireland are $1.35 to beat Wales, and Wales are at home. So, yeah, I think there, there is a sprinkling for Wales at that 3.3, um, but no one really sees Scotland causing England too much trouble, even with their new coach stepping in, over, taking over from Eddie Jones. Yeah, it's tricky. It's it's hard to line up, but I'm just I'm very excited for it. Um, there was a there was a bit we were talking about earlier um, with Sammy Hewitt and Ricardo Ball tipped it out on Phoenix Nation the other day. The Phoenix uh, travelling to Australia, taking on Melbourne Victory, who are sitting at the bottom of the table, and the Phoenix are offering a pretty good price. I'm just wondering if it's still available. Yeah, look, three dollars ten. The Phoenix uh, tonight, Steph, and so yeah, people are. Hoeing and there is a promotion around this as well. I know I love this promotion uh, the guys do in the in the football. Uh, you can back the Phoenix or you can back Melbourne Victory. Boo, no one's going to do that. But you can back the Wellington Phoenix and if the game ends in a draw, you'll get a refund of your bet up to $50. So that is a great way to go. So no one likes the draw. Uh, we used to love them, uh, you and I know you would know this from a betting perspective because no one really backs the draw too often. Um, but you, you can take the draw out of play here. You can take the Wellington Phoenix. $3.10 in a head-to-head market, and if it is a draw, you get your money back as a bonus bet up $50, and if they win, happy days. We've got our $155 to play with for the weekend. Bonus back tomorrow. Lure me in. Come on. Oh, <laughs> very good. Thank you, Steph. You've uh, you've fallen right into my wheelhouse here. Look, <laughs> bonus back promotion, or the bonus back blitz, as we call it, uh, tomorrow. Wingatui, Champions Day down there in the deep south. Wingatui, Dunedin, New Plymouth. Taranaki Cup Day there, Randwick and Stand Down, the other two venues. So the first four races from all those four venues and the No Deductions uh, initiative or No Deductions, No Surprises initiative that we've had on New Zealand, like all racing, in fact, just continues to go until the end of March and has been incredibly popular, particularly when you get a bit of rain about and you get a few late scratchings. That's when you really can make some hay. So that continues to the end of March. I actually uh, got a bonus bet the other day and I backed, I backed uh, is it Victor Vegas? Uh, um, to win the Wellington Cup and it didn't make the field and I thought I'd done my, yep. done my lollies, but I got a bonus bet. Yeah, exactly, Steph. That's the, that's the futures uh, guarantee that we have. So... Up again, up to fifty dollars if your horse doesn't make the final field. Mm. So a lot's changed since you were kicking around in these. You're uh, giving too much away, mate. Give... I, well, don't worry. I go over to see the marketing team every second day, Steph, and tell them they're, they're making a right hash of it. But no one seems to listen to me anymore. So they're going to continue on their merry way, keep offering all these promotions, all these specials, uh, and it's all there on the punter, punter, the punters lounge on tab.co.nz. Go and have a look because there'll be something for everyone under there, I can assure you. So I, I can see why the TAB couldn't afford to keep me there, because you had to give all the money to the bloody punters. <laughs> yeah, 
your exorbitant salary cap, we just couldn't we just couldn't keep it going, mate. So, and particularly now, I think I might be the next next man out the door if we keep uh, if we keep going like this. Oh, fantastic! Hey, Thad, enjoy your day and uh, a racing Waitangi weekend. Actually, is there races on Waitangi Day? There's races. There's just races non-stop at the moment. There's a race meeting every day next week. It's Topo on Sunday. Tahita Nikau on oh. Monday. Uh, so yeah, if you are a, if you're a thoroughbred fan in particular, um, yeah, you, you won't go you won't go hungry. Put it that way. Good boy. Thanks, Thad. Good chatting. See you, Steph. Thanks, Ben. See you, mate. Ted Taylor, one of the greats uh, from tab.co.nz. And as I say, go to the Punters Lounge. That's where all your promotions and your your money back. And you get bonus bits back when you're not even expecting it. That's what I found. Anyway, uh, Rangiora Grass Harness Racing on Monday as well. Oh, I've never been to a Rangiora, uh, Rangiora Grass Track meeting. I'd love to go. And I've never been to Kaikoura as well. Arguably, the – what's the word – the most scenic, this is my word, scenic, the most scenic racetrack in the world, Kaikoura. There, I've said it. But Rangiora Grass, something special. Ne- Methven, never been there. I've been to Methven, been to the Blue Pub, um, spent a whole day in the Blue Pub because the ski field closed when I got, back in the day, remember Anset used to, was it Anset or New Zealand? I think it was Anset. They used to have mystery, mystery weekends and you'd pay like, four or five hundred bucks, whatever it was, and you didn't know where you were going and you just turn up at the airport, didn't know where you're going, handed over your mystery envelope. I won one in a competition, ended up, it was a trip to Christchurch and then they picked us up from the hotel in the morning. We were going to go skiing up um, up Mount Cook, uh, but it was closed, so we spent the day in the Methven pub. As you know, we got a rental car. That's right, got a rental car. So I had a ski holiday, didn't go skiing. Spent the day in Methven, loved it. Back to Christchurch, stayed the night, flew back to Wellington. <laughs> the old mystery weekends. Oh, it's a long time ago. All right, let's take a break. Um, we're at just about the 140 mark, hurriedly looking through. Let's find out what's making news. Actually, Sam, you, you spoke to Costa, did you? You spoke to Costa about his brother that played rugby for Luxembourg. Oh, I saw you pick up the phone and call him. Maybe someone's going to give him a call. But we might give you a call. Oh, no, Costa, you sent through a funny phone number. It wasn't quite complete. We weren't sure if it was your number or not, so check the text message you sent us because we'll give you a yell, see if we can talk to your brother who played international rugby for Luxembourg. We'll find out what's happening, uh, what's making news, actually, after the break. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world. Ah, uh, well, we didn't do what's making news yesterday, so I actually have a lot of backlog here, Steph. It's like a oh, it's like a dam that's been building. Shall I recline? Ready to break? In my pneumatic Please do. Chair. Please do. Um, and I'd love Manita also just sit back, relax, and enjoy. Um, Look, he's just taking that he's, up straight he's, he's taking away. the shoes off and the feet are up but just have the mic ready please because we made it made an input so uh, we've we found ourselves staff with a real life Home Alone 2 situation here have you watched Home Alone 2? Kevin! Uh, I don't know oh it's the one where he gets lost in New York. They're running through the airport. No, He's trying to put the batteries in the camera. The family goes off to the left. He goes off to the right and misses the plane. We've got a real-life Home Alone 2 situation because an infant was abandoned uh, at Tel Aviv by his parents at the airport who tried to board a flight to Belgium 
without him after they failed to purchase a ticket for him. So went up to the gate. Oh, it was intentional. Went up to the gate. Had the tickets, hand them over, where's the ticket for your kid? Now, most infants travel free. Maybe it's different in Israel. Um, where's your ticket for the kid? We don't have one. Well, you're going to need one for him to fly. Well, we won't accept this. So we're just going to leave him here and jump on the plane ourselves, which is exactly what they did. Oh They're probably going to get charged for some sort of child abuse. Um, but yeah, they just left them next to the check-in counter while they rushed towards the security line so they could board the flight. That, that feels to me like they got there and said, right, well, I've got my ticket. The, other, the mum says, oh, I've got my ticket. And they both turned to the baby. Well, did you sort yours out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, bad luck. Well, babies do, Jim. I mean, it's they did, they probably were being hard done by, but still, I mean, boarding a flight via your baby? How much of the blame does the um, airline need for this? Because they obviously enforced, hey, that baby doesn't have a ticket, so it won't be getting on the I think that was flight. their point. They were, they, were, they were making a moral stand by saying, well, you look after the baby then. And we'll go fly away. And the parents called their bluff. Said, well, we'll <laughs> exactly. Just leave yeah. it exactly. It might backfire if they get put in prison. Um, this wow. is a this is a good this is story of the week. Uh, potential staff. Mm-hmm. A man in Singapore has is suing a woman three million dollars because she saw him as a friend and didn't want to be in a relationship. He got friend zoned and he wants to sue her for three million dollars. So let me just read through this, if I may. A man in Singapore has taken rejection very much to heart and decided to launch a lawsuit against his love interest. Mr. K. Kashigan met Miss Nora Tan in 2016, according to the Straits Times. However, the latter saw him more as a friend. The man says by 2020 he thought their relationship was a little closer. Four years later. As he called her his quote-unquote closest friend. However, Miss Tan wanted her mate to chill out a bit and reduce the time they were spending with each other. She said it was important they had boundaries and hopefully they would uh, that would result in a better friendship. However, Mr. Kashigan didn't see it that way and threatened legal action against her. He reportedly gave her a letter that stated he was entitled to monetary damages rising from negligent infliction of emotional distress and possible defamation. <laughs> Even though she said his intentions made her feel uncomfortable, Kashigan gave her an ultimatum. She was told to either give in to his desires or suffer damage to her personal and pro- professional endeavours. Um, and what do you do in that situation, Steph? You sued him for $3 million. I wonder, in the fullness of time, if he will refer to this young woman as his girlfriend at the time. Ooh, is Mr. Kashigane uh, alias for M. Stafford? I'm is just it? wondering. Okay. Brad and, and I are both wondering. talked about a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm just thinking and putting two and two together here. Brad and I are just wondering. It's taking the friend zone to the limits here. Um, speaking of leaving babies in places you shouldn't, um, a dad has lost custody of his daughter after he left her at home expecting his Alexa to babysit her while he was at the pub. Hey, so Alexa, he look at, after my kid. Literally exact word for word what he said. Alexa, babysit my child. Wow. He went off to the pub and he used Alexa to look after uh, his girl, a 30-year-old, a 30-year-old man, um, from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m. So quite a He's long gone on time. He's a um, and they only found this out because when he got home, he'd had a couple of drinks and he got into a big stoush with uh, his partner, who I think he came home with at the same time. Not not the not the kid's daughter, uh, mother. Sorry. So she had just been out with him, came home with him, and they had an argument. People heard it, called the police, and the police came round and then found out that you know he had left the kid at home and all that sort of jazz. So, yeah, not uh, not flash. And finally, given that it's. Uh, B-Man Broadcast Operations birthday today. Happy birthday, B-Man, 22 years old, Steph. I bought this story, I put the story in specifically for him. 
because a lady on social media, don't have a full name here, don't even know the name of the establishment, but she has taken a TikTok to reveal a receipt that she received at a restaurant that she recently went to. And on that receipt, down the bottom, was a charge for $25. And the $25 charge was for, quote-unquote, one cake cut. They charged her 25 bucks to cut the cake when they bought it out. Wow. That's got to be, that's up there with... Corkage. Some of the most flagrant. Yeah, corkage. Yeah, corkage. Six dollar corkage. Yeah. I'll just open it myself. Yeah, just give me the <laughs> give me the screw thing and I'll pop it off. Yeah, it's not that hard to cut a cake, is it? Maybe they cut it into individual pieces. No, so it's it's about the revenue they're missing out on. No one's going to order dessert. Ah, I see. That's what it is. Yeah. So it's compensation for not ordering dessert. I once emceed a wedding and the uh, catering company came up and tried to negotiate with me that the wedding party hadn't paid for a cutting service. They'd paid for the cake to be served, but there was a separate fee for the cake to be cut. Wow. And they wanted you to, to break that break that to the wedding party. Me? <laughs> and I said, you guys just go and cut that, and then you talk to someone else tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I really don't like it when you MC event staff and people come up to you and expect you to do things for them that is not in your remit, you know? Yeah. Not saying this has happened, but they walk up to you and be like, hey, um, we're actually letting go of Cassandra tonight. If you could just break that to everyone, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. And you're like, I'm here to like yeah. give you awards out, not, <laughs> not send people home. <laughs> but that's what happens. Anyway, you want a fact? You know I want a fact. Um, did you know that, and this is um, sort of theoretical as opposed to, because th- they would never know, but before colour TV, people were more likely to dream in black and white? Wow. Yeah. They did a study. So um, before the 1960s, or sorry, after the 1960s, um, that suggested that 83% of people dreamed in colour, uh, more, more people dreamed in colour, and that coincided right at the same time with when colour TVs were coming out. So they sort of have predicted that before colour TVs, people dreamed in black and white. Well, if they had some sort of TV so related I can't dream. remember what colour I dreamed in before we got the Thorn Precision 22. Did you dream in LCD or plasma? <laughs> oh, jeez, they didn't come for ages. Oh, OLED. 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 Yeah. What about before 3D glasses were ever a thing? <laughs> Did you, did you dream in 2D? Like Mickey flat? Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a fact for you. It's been sent through by Chris. Uh, Air New Zealand owned Ansett Australia and Qantas owned Ansett New Zealand at the time of both Ansett Airlines' demise. Fact of the day. Back in a mo. Now, Sam, um, I know you like um, fate or things that are written in the stars because you're a big spaceman. On Monday, hmm. ring your order, yep. harness, yep. they have the Amberley Cup. Yes. Race eight. Yep. Number nine. Yes. Johnny Mack. <sighs> Haven't <sighs> finished. Oh, my gosh. Number Ridden 10. by Johnny Mack. No, number 10, <laughs> Sam's Town. Well, which one do I go for? Quinella. Oh. All day. Does it, uh, okay. Yeah. Pencil look, me in. Look at you go. Johnny Mack and Sam's Town. I'm just seeing if there's one named after me. There's one nearly named after me called Franco Marrick. It's nearly Mark. Um, <laughs> it's nowhere near Mark. Marrick. It's just got an E Oh, okay. Um, thought you meant the Frank part. Uh, mogul. That's nearly me. You're a bit of a mogul? Media mogul? Dashing major? I don't know. We've got a love racing update coming up after the news and the Jeremy Paul show. And it's all Roxanne to put on her red lights. They're all infected, but he'll be alright Cause he's a scumbag, don't you know I said he's a scumbag, don't you know 
Don't quite know why Cutho deserved that sort of thrash metal intro. It's just bizarre. Shane Cuthbert joins us for our Love Racing update. Remember, loveracing.nz, that is your home of thoroughbred racing. Uh, Shane, great to have you in the studio. We're going to do this a little bit more often because I can't keep abreast of all the sport and all the racing, so you're going to be my racing guru. Racing today in a big race at Waikato. Correct. Thank you for having me, Mark. Yeah. Uh, Waikato Guineas. Um, it's a group race too, I believe. Correct. It's a group two race. It's a uh, it's a pretty key lead up to the New Zealand Derby, uh, which is in early March. So these horses step out to 2,000 metres and start to really get serious about their derby preps. Um, and the O'Sullivan Scott stable, who are looking to win the third derby in a row, have wow. um, the favourite in Waitak and also another strong chance in uh, Deviledom. So they're well represented. Um Dynastic is your Caracamillion two-year-old winner from last year who okay. is stepping out to 2000 and off his um, Caracamillion three-year-old run uh, a couple of weeks ago, he looks like he's sort of ready to ready to sort of um, hit 2000 and beyond. So he, he could be another major player. Um, and then Cruise Missile is uh, the g- listed Ginger Nut Salva winner from uh, Pukekohe not too long ago and is heavily favoured in the... Um, or he's in, sort of in commission in the futures in the Derby futures. So, yeah, there's a there's a um, a bit of water to go under the bridge, but this will this will play a pretty key role in the lead up. So, with these horses, I guess every horse is going to be different. Like you, you've said, the Derby's in March. So, what are we five or six weeks away mm-hmm. from the Derby? One more run after this in the lead up to the Derby, or do some horses have a little bit more? Yeah, because the Derby's a, a staying test for a young horse. Correct. There is, um, yeah. So there might there's the Avondale Guineas, which is on the which is in um, where are we? What date are we? Third yeah, of the so we're yeah. talking two weeks time. Okay. Um, so perfect it, spacing. Yeah. So and this uh, this race has obviously moved from Wednesday, so we meant to run at Tarapa on Wednesday, and um, the weather sort of pushed us back forty eight hours. Um, but yeah, that, that could be another sort of, if, if a horse needs another run leading into that Derby, um, the Avondale Guineas has been another great key race leading into the Derby. So, um, yeah, they're, your, they're generally your two major form references and then you can get one sort of come out of nowhere, but yeah, that generally you'll find the winner out of those two lead up races. And we were just talking to Thad Taylor out of the TAB saying it's a big day of racing tomorrow. In fact, right through Waitangi weekend through to Tauhead and Ikau, but mm. tomorrow New Plymouth races and it's a big day for the deep South. It is. It is. Yeah. Wingatui's got um, three black type races on their card. They've got their guineas, their gold cup and the group three white, white robe lodge, which is a wait for age race and Tiakau have pick this one out to take Breezer de Fur down oh, to meet. Yeah. That's a proper horse. Yeah, well, he's a group one winner, um, wait for age winner, and he meets this field sort of, uh, I mean, if he if it was a handicap, he'd have to give the nearest opposition six kilos, and he's meeting them at level weight. So he, yeah, it's it's well, it's well a well-planned. Um, it's a raid. It is a raid, yeah. And they've also got the $2 favourite in the um, listed Dunedin Guineas as well, the Romancing the Moon, who happened to split Legato and Prowess not too long ago. So, um, yeah, the, the, it is a it's a Dunedin raid for um, for Tiaka. And then um, at New Plymouth, we've got the the Taranaki two year old classic, where there's some Karakamillion form out of that. The um, the Taranaki Cup, where um, self obsession for Tiaka. So they, they're very well represented all weekend up and down the country. Um, so, yeah, they're they're hard to beat. Perfect, Shane. Good to catch up. We'll keep the catch-ups coming as well. Big weekend of racing and a long weekend, so get along to one of your local uh, meetings and also go and round up your crew and you can book 
to get along to one of the big meetings, <clears throat> excuse me, the Grand Tour.nz, where all the big uh, events are. Um, thanks to Shane. We call him Cafo, but let's call him Shane. Keep it all official. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show. It's time for the Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts, Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Jeremy Paul Show. The great man in Australia, but he's really Kiwi through and through, and he joins us every Friday just after two. It's Jeremy Paul. Welcome in. Oh, you know it, bro. <laughs> kia ora, kia ora. How are you, my man? How um, are you, Vano? Yeah, they're all good. They're all good. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to hit you with a it wasn't really a question for you. We were talking about the excitement of the Six Nations. I'm actually genuinely, I'm not just saying, I'm genuinely excited for the Six Nations. International rugby's back. Top two teams in the world are France and Ireland. I think it's going to be fantastic. Someone says uh, here, Brian texted and said, I hate to say it, but the bloody Brumbies were innovative and good to watch back in their heydays. They had a variety of moves that reminded me of the Aller Brothers era for the Wallabies. And someone said that they heard that, well, I, I actually said, back in your days, did the back line used to walk through moves and so it imprinted into their mind? So when it became a running thing, they sort of knew that, avenues and everything they were doing did you used to walk through moves oh absolutely look we we so we we brought in um in around that time around 99 so when eddie jones took over in 98 um there's a transition of older players to younger players we also had a good group of young players come through um and then obviously that balance of of youth and experience like where we had the gregans larkins roffs those sort of players and then in 2000 it was like we sort of touched on it in 99 but then in 2000 we brought in what was called the sequence plays so we would say for example we'd be at training and we'd go okay we got a penalty in our own half we kick for a line out we got a line out 35 meters out what player are we going to run? So in terms of the sequence play, it started at the set piece. So if it was either a scrum or a line out, we would walk to that line out and we'd go, okay, how much? Then the next point of the call was um, how many numbers in the line out, which then would determine what type of pl- sequence play we would run. Now, these sequence plays would run for three phases. So everyone knew what their jobs were in terms of running the ball, cleaning out, and where to be so we could manipulate the defence and put them where we wanted to put them. Then after the third phase, we would then go to un- ad-lib footy, would go to unstructured footy mm-hmm. where we knew the defences would probably be. So, yeah, walking through, we'd walk through it. Like we'd go, okay, we've got a line out here. We've got a scrum midfield here. What player are we going to call? So the leaders of the team would then know the structure of the course. So we'd call five-man this or seven-man this. Um, or we'd go, okay, we've got a left field scrum, we'd call this play. So we knew the forwards need, knew they needed to get around the corner twice. And to be able to make sure that we players knew exactly where to be for those sort of first three phases, yeah, we'd walk through that all the time and go, okay, if this happens here, and we'd also put in contingencies, like if this happened here, 
then what would be your role? Um, no, our detail was was quite amazing, actually. Do you feel like there's a lack of that? Because I do, a lack of that, particularly from set piece, because you know exactly where the opposition are, you know exactly where you are, and you come from a static starting point. And it just seems like, and you've got a better rugby brain than me, is it rush defence destroys set piece um, set moves because I just, particularly with the orbit, I just don't seem to see any. We saw a few with Ireland, and it was so refreshing. This wave of green and people it was like an orchestrated bunch of tadpoles in a in a fish tank. They all knew what exactly <laughs> what each other was doing. I just don't feel like I see it as much. Well, look, you can structure stuff off, and I think Australia then got too structured with regards to like these type of sequence plays um, and didn't work on the ad lib footy afterwards. There has to be a fine balance. Um, and, look, New Zealand rugby haven't traditionally really done that, but when you look at how the Crusaders play, they definitely have a lot of structure about them. But the, the difference with Ireland and what I love about where they take in the game is it's – it mirrors rugby league in terms of those blocker runners, but everyone knows their job. So when you talk about upskilling players from one to 15, like, you know, having props and hookers or second rowers running those very, very hard lines where they are actually attracting the defenders. And that's very difficult to organize and phase play. So there's this, there's this real fine balance of structure, but the way to structure things when you're on the field is is purely everyone knowing their roles, but everyone also knowing, um, like you can't just structure it where you go, okay, props, all you're doing is just running the dummy line. That's it. They also need to be the ones to be able to pass the ball. They also need to be the ones running underneath to collect the ball. So when you're looking at those sort of structured plays, um, particularly in phase play, um, after your sort of set piece, about three phases after your set piece, because then it just turns into a smozzle, right? Like you're seeing teams just pick and driving from the back because <laughs> it looks like they have no idea what to do or players aren't putting themselves into positions. And and a lot of that comes back to the, the I suppose, the, the player, their individual player and their, and their level of skill, um, but then also your leaders. So... The, the three things, and look, a lot of coaches out there that might listen to this show, look, the three things you look for um, for identification of talent, right, like or how you would, like, review your team, the, the very first one is position specific. So from 1 to 15, so take a hooker. His position, he needs to throw the ball, needs to scrummage, and obviously everyone needs to be able to run and tackle. But if he can't do those things, then he's not doing his job in terms of a hooker. So those are the things you would work on. Then once you can do your position specific, the next one is the time and space they create for themselves and the time and space they create for players around them. Because when you get to that part, that means you're taking care of your own job. But then you're able to organise yourself on the run because as you get higher, man, to an all-black test, for example, your time is limited. Like it all happens in milliseconds. So if they're able to not only create time and space for themselves but then have the time and ability to create time and space around them for players, that means you've got a hell of a player. And then the third one is X factor. So if you know if there's a kid with extraordinary pace or hot feet like Roger Tuivasa-Shek feet or they can kick a, a, a ball 60 metres, those are the three identifying factors of identification and how you can review players. So if you've got those three, those three things amongst your players, you can then create multi-phases and have this 
kind of structure in ad-lib footy. So hopefully that uh, hopefully that explains it. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Um, and I quite like talking rugby and food because it, we talk more holistically. We've, we've done a heap of Six Nations on the show today and we had a BBC commentator. They are very excited for the Six Nations this year. And I am. And I think it's because the top two teams in the world uh, in it and we're going to see some fantastic rugby couple of new coaches and Warren Gatland and Steve Borthwick um, do you get excited for the Six Nations oh mate to be honest not really like um, look it, it is a good competition please don't get me wrong but it's also sort of coincides when Super Rugby and, and mm. um, obviously our own test footy as well but um, no I do I, look I it, it is an interesting competition for this year. I normally do watch it every four years because, you know, you, you've got the hot favourites in terms of France. It'll be interesting to see how they play um, because the pressure of having a World Cup at home is immense. Like, it is absolutely immense. So they'll start feeling that now and they'll be going into this tournament as favourites. Ireland, I think still everyone still thinks Ireland is... is Yes, they came down, and I think they think it was just a fluke. They went down to New Zealand last year and won a <laughs> test series. I think they will be the surprise packet. So they have, they have got themselves in. <laughs> Actually, I was talking. I caught up with Todd Cafe last week. We we caught up for a couple of days. Uh, we did a charity dinner together, and I said, "Mate, what's what's happening with you with the Rugby World Cup?" I said, "Who's in your pool?" And he goes, "South Africa." Ireland, Scotland, and Romania. <laughs> I was just like, oh, what? And I actually said to him, I said, man, I reckon you should target South Africa. Like, I, I think, I think Ireland is 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 the dark horse here. I think they they play an expansive game. Watch that New Zealand Test series, man. That's how footy should be played now. And I think that's that's like what we did with the Brumbies back in the sort of early two thousands and how we kind of changed the game in Australia. I think Ireland are doing the same. So it'll be interesting to see how Ireland and France go in this, and then England, right? They're a big powerhouse, and we need. For world rugby we need england to be competitive and it'll be interesting to see how but what what I, it's an old saying but like with cha- like change brings change and so by bringing in a new coach there's new environment everyone's back to 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 square one they're all back to the to the start so a new coach will come in with new ideas but he also will have different opinions of players so players who felt that they might have been secure under eddie jones or being one of eddie jones's sort of whipping boy that all changes under steve borthwick and actually i've got a cool little story about steve when he played his first test it was in uh, it was in australia and they came down and he, he was in his first test match and i was having an absolute shocker with the ball mate like trying to trying to throw the ball and it was horrible it was i couldn't hit the side of a barn door that night and steve borthwick was playing his first test and he 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 mouthed to me he said oh come on paul you're hopeless like this one and i turned around and i said mate who are you like i don't even know your name like no one came here to watch you mate like I might have put in a few swear words too. And then he just went quiet. And then it wasn't until about seven or eight years later we caught up after a test match and he said, mate, you got me. Like I couldn't, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't say another word. I didn't know what to do. Like, it was like, and I was like, yeah, well, you should shut your mouth, shouldn't you? Like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. I want, to, I want to do a quick departure before we let you get back to work. Um, the NRL have this collective bargaining agreement. It's a bit of a standoff between Clint Newton, the players, uh, Valandis and Andrew Abdo from the NRL. We sort of feel like we're in the dark. It's only the players' union and the, and the players' collective talking. NRL aren't saying boo. For goodness sake, we've got the Indigenous game, um, All-Stars game next weekend, uh, and you can hear the commentary on SCNZ if it goes ahead. Did you ever have any bargaining agreements or player power issues during your career? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, I was actually on the board. I was on the executive board of the Rugby Union Players Association. So um, actually one of the loveliest things ever said, actually, like I, I was – very humbled with this was our president um who was the rupa president for 16 years the players association president or ceo sorry for 16 years he said three guys changed the game in his 16 years john eels george gregan and jeremy paul because as the executive board we had to stand in front of our players and it was always for the betterment of the players and in the 03 world cup when we stole it from new zealand remember we stole that fucking no we, no i didn't no, i don't and, think we played uh, in that one yeah <laughs> no i know you lost in the semi but um <laughs> but but because of the ground rights right and the signage anyway uh john o'neill who was the ceo at the time he um he obviously was under a lot of pressure by the RB to sign these participation agreements, which was so prehistoric. Like they, the, the IRB wanted to take all intellectual property off players. And so, and, and the PlayStation games were pretty new around those times and they were doing the, the Sony PlayStation World Rugby game. And so they wanted to take all the rights of players. And we said, no, like we're not signing these agreements because they're just players. It wasn't for everyone. It was only probably for a half a dozen players that could actually earn earn a bit of coin from it but in terms of of a players association and standing up we took a stand and we said no and like the fights that happened with that like i remember he came to coffs harbour for the world cup and he said if you beep don't sign this i'm going to pick 30 more players and stormed out and so like there was a few players actually that surprised me a few older players that said mate i'm just going to sign it because i want to play in a world cup and it's like no stop what other 30 players is he going to get? Like, well, this is like, <laughs> we're the top 30 players here. And all the work that all the previous players associations, members and executive boards had done to get us to this point in terms of the collective bargaining agreement and our negotiating will be completely lost. We have to stay strong here. And within two weeks, they changed it. So, look, th- this is an unfortunate part of the game. We saw baseball. Remember when baseball yep. struck? They, they went on strike for a whole season. Um, there has to be, look, there, there, there has to be negotiations here and there has to be, and it's always about where you sit in the game. Like our, our Rugby Union Players Association pretty much has to sort of bend over really because we're not in a position to be able to bargain. When you have a strong position in terms of playing and you're winning you deserve more percentage of of the revenue um and where they are currently with the rugby league at the moment like there's a lot of things they're trying to negotiate and stick to your guns boys like that's this is it like they can't do anything out with it without the players and this is part of negotiations it it, um, hopefully it doesn't get ugly but yeah man there's some real back like 
in the boardroom backdoor sort of arguments and and things that a lot of players don't know and they've just got to trust their their elected officials that represent them on the board and trust the board and if they all are are in it together they'll get a result mm. brilliant jp fascinating insights today really enjoyed our chat today um we'll do it all again next friday buddy thanks for coming on again Anytime, bro. I can't wait, man. Yeah, let's preview the NRL, man. There's some good players that have swapped. I've got a couple of roughies for you. So, Oh, tune in next Friday. Yeah, can't wait for that, bro. Let's go. Catch up. See you, mate. Jeremy Paul show every Friday uh, between 2 and 2.30. Back after a break. No time like the present to talk about the greatest sporting event that hits the Manawatu and potentially New Zealand annually. It is the team's championships for the stock cars, for the super stocks, and it is a great privilege to welcome into the show one of the greatest to ever do the craft of stock car racing. It's Frankie Wayman Jr. He's the captain of the GB team. Welcome in, Frankie. Thank you. Welcome to everybody. I was going to list off your achievements, but we've that would take me 15 minutes. Um, first time world champion in 1998. You've been doing this at the highest level for a long, long time. Yeah, we have, mate. Yeah, I've been uh, racing for sort of around 35 years now in, in the senior senior sport. Obviously, won everything there is to offer in uh, across across the globe, basically, apart from the team's champs. So, yeah. What keeps you hungry, Frankie? Um... Just the, the the fans, basically. The fan base I have back home, the interaction we have with fans back in the UK. Obviously, while we're in New Zealand now representing the UK, we've got a massive fan base back there that are willing us on and keeping us going. And, you know, like, obviously, the kids coming through to watch the racing, spectators, you know, it, it just keeps me going. That is the main thing that keeps me going. You know, I, I, I want to entertain. Where, how far far afield have you raced? I, I guess most of it is in the UK, and you you come to New Zealand. But have you have you taken your skill sets to some far flung places? No, just just basically the UK. We've got three world championships in the UK and four four world championships in Holland, um, and then obviously uh, three in in New Zealand. So. Yeah. What's the format of this form of racing in the UK? Like, we we have all our different classes here in New Zealand. Is it sort of mirrored up 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 in the northern hemisphere? Yeah, we have different classes, just the same. Obviously, our racing's slightly different. It's all individual stuff. What we do back home, um, you know, there's no waiting for for cars to take them out or anything like that in our racing. It's all individual stuff. Whereas, obviously, in New Zealand, it's a different mindset. Where you know, when you first start racing. You know, you you could be blocking for for your mates or your or your club 
straight away. So that's that you know that's where the team racing comes from, which we don't have back in the UK. Do you like that dynamic? Because I went probably twenty years in a row because I grew up in the magnificent city you're in now, and the team's champs was I'm not joking was the absolute sporting highlight of the calendar in Palmerston North and the outlying areas. And the blockers, I used to love the role of the blockers. You don't need a fast car, but you need to be brave. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, the, the, they are the unsung heroes for me. Um, you know, the the, the guys that, that do the running, take the checkered flag, and all that. It's not them that are doing the work. It's usually the blockmen. Um, obviously, the way the cars have come on these days, you do need fast block cars as well. They do need to be quick. But you know, luckily this year, I think we've got uh, we've got five good cars and five good drivers. So I'm really looking forward to it. Now, is your son driving as well? Yeah, 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 Frankie, he's, um, he's done a few teams races now, he's up for it, he's, he enjoys the blocking role, um, mainly because the, the first couple of years he was in a car that wasn't fast enough to be a running car really, um, but he got his mindset into the blocking and he enjoys it, um, I'm pretty much easy either way, I, I'll run, I enjoy running because it's, it's what I've always done since I've come to New Zealand, you know, I've had 20, 20 odd cars trying to stop me in the last race at the 240s every time I've been so obviously you know I, I got used to that and uh, when I've switched to blocking I've enjoyed that as well and I, you know I can do that as well I'll, I'll, I'll take a good hit I'm, I'm not bothered at all <laughs> it's craziness <laughs> can, can you talk to me about the um, the track surfers track surface and maybe the, the dimensions where you're going to be racing at Palmer North Speedway uh, this weekend how, how similar or different is that to what what your bread and butter tracks are like up in the north? Um, yeah, the, the track surfaces are, are totally different. They're clay-based, whereas we're actually shale, which is kind of crushed brick dust. Um, so like we can run on a wet track, um, whereas over in New Zealand it's just impossible. You couldn't do it. Um, but obviously, you know, the, as the tracks dry out and... They're very similar speed-wise. Obviously, they dampen down at the start, same as we do back home. So, yeah, very similar in that way. And then, obviously, we run on asphalt as well. We have a different car that we run on a tarmac surface. Uh, and, again, that's that's real fast, hard racing. I was going to say, that you'll be flying on asphalt. Yeah, yeah. Well, the last year of World Finals at Ipswich, the biggest tarmac track we've got. And, yeah, we were going we were going some speeds around there, some real good racing. Um, the following of the sport in the UK, look, it's got, uh, it's bigger than niche in New Zealand, but it's got some rabid fans. It's, it's a wonderful fan base that go to all of our tracks all over New Zealand. What's the popularity like of um, speed race, stock car racing up in the UK? Yeah, it's, 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 it's quieter back home. Obviously, we've got a lot more people in the UK. So everywhere you go in the UK, not everybody knows a stock car driver, whereas in New Zealand, the, the very first time I come over, wherever you went, whatever city you went to, they knew stock cars, they knew you, they knew where you were going. And that, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. And they, they, they kind of took me in wherever I was racing and, and they supported us. And obviously the first time Team GB did the teams, you know, it was just unbelievable. The, 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 the strength and the support that we got from the Kiwi fans was just outrageous. And, it, you know, I, I just thrived on it and obviously, you know, they enjoyed the effort that we put in to come and try and entertain them and, and that's been reciprocated every year. So this Teams Champs, the New Zealand Teams Champs, it's in Palmy every year. What's special about it for you? I know what it is for me. What's special about it for you? Is it representing your country? Is it the different form of racing? A bit of both, really. Um, the atmosphere at Teams Champs, you have to be 
to experience it to, to, to understand what it's actually like. You can tell people till they're blue in the face, but they, they will never get it. Um, on an individual level, it's similar to what I do, like in a world championship at home, my individual sort of parade lap, if you like, before the world final, being at the top of the sport, it's is similar. But over here, you've got uh, it's 14 teams and the atmosphere is just something you, you'll never experience that in your lifetime. And, you know, as a driver, you know, I'm blessed to have to have been part of that, really, and I, I still am. Yeah, you mentioned all of those teams, and I'm looking down here, and um, it just brings back wonderful memories. The Wellington Wildcats, the Bay Park Bus, the Wanganui Warriors, Stratford Scrappers, favourites of the Gisborne Giants. Have you been able to do any scouting about who you think are the strong teams? No, obviously we've we've not really been here long. You know, there's there's a lot of new drivers coming through in New Zealand. Obviously, I've I've grown up with quite a few of them, of the older ones, if you like, racing here every year with them. I was lucky enough to to do a South Island tour when I first shipped my car over here, and I kind of got accepted into the to, to to the body of racers. I was the only UK one there, but they treated me as a driver, not as a UK driver, which was really nice to be involved with. So I, I you know, a lot of the older school drivers, I do. I do get on with it on a high level, so it, that's good. But obviously this year there's a lot of new kids coming through, which is all good for the sport. It's absolutely brilliant, you know, but we'll just have to treat them as four, four opponents when we get on there. Mm. Frankie Wayman Jr., one of the best stock car drivers ever. We're so blessed to have you in our country for our... Well, for me, it's the pinnacle event of Speedway. In New Zealand. I just absolutely love the team champs, and you bringing a Team GB crew just adds the, the candles to the beautifully iced cake. I, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I really, really do. And uh, me and the listeners appreciate you having a chat to us today. I really, really do appreciate oh, absolutely. that. Absolutely superb. Thank you very much again. And obviously, I'd like to just thank all our sponsors who make it possible. I'd like to thank Bruce Robinson and Puck, who obviously push us to, to get out here to obviously entertain everybody. And like I say, if, if we can get a team together of lads who can get over here to do this, then we will because, you know, we, we just love doing it. Brilliant. Frankie, go well. All the best. Thank you very much. Ta-da now. There is Frankie Wayman Jr., one of the absolute beasts of the of the Speedway and the Team Champ, just such a draw card. Um, if you want to follow or catch up with um, anything to do with the Superstocks this weekend, um, I'm just trying to find that website I had. It's Palmy Superstock Teams is what it's called on Facebook or Instagram. There'll be updates continually on social media if you want to do that. And I think they're live streaming as well somewhere. Um, it'll be easier to find. Just put teams, Team Champs, Palmerston North, live streaming. You'll find it. I'll try and find it for you myself. But there we go. One of the absolute best that there's ever been. Um, Frankie Wayman Jr. Honoured to have him on the show. We'll come back. Oh, am I asking for calls here, Sammy? Am I asking for calls? I'm asking for calls if you want to play the vault. 0800 150 811. A brand new vault. Seven questions. One answer. $100 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Give us a call if you want to play. Seven questions, one answer. Can you crack the vault? Oh, the phone lines usually fill right up, but only four call today, so you just spin the wheel and it's the four wedge wheel on the internet you spin, Sammy. Where you go? Uh, well, two dropped off as well, Steph, so there's oh. only two left, so we'll just go... And uh, I think we got Craig on the line from Tauranga. Oh, Craig, the man in charge of the tugs. G'day, Craig. 
G'day, how you doing? Very well. You know how this works. You got first crack at it. Can you be our first ever vault uh, lock picker to get it done on day one for a hundred dollar TRB bonus bet? Let's see if he, how you go. Well, give, give me ten questions and I'm confident. Seven, not so sure. Uh, well, we'll have a go. Here All right. We go. All right. So, uh, Sammy, uh, uh, does it involve male or men? Doesn't involve men. Yes, it does. Is it uh, is it a team sporting event? No, it is not. No, it is not. Okay. Uh, did the particular event take place in the northern hemisphere? Ah, uh, good question. Good question. Oh, it's on the equator. He's had to Google where it is, or is he bluffing? Is he bluffing? Uh, it did. It, uh, it did take place in the northern hemisphere. All right. Uh. Was it the year 2000 or later? 2000. Or later. Or yes, later. it was. Okay. Uh, Is that four, Steph? That's four. He's making good progress. Is it a ball sport? No. no you get, you no, get, you get no, two no. from Steph as well. So and you've, Only if he wants. Only, only if, he wants. if he wants. Okay. Ball sport. Did you say yes or no? I said no. No balls. No balls. No, no ball. Okay, go on, Steph. You... you, you. Question number three, I think we're up to Steffi. <laughs> <laughs> You've done five. I'll do one and you leave you with the last one. Okay. It's uh, it's male individual in the northern hemisphere after two thousand. How can it be a noble sport but it's male? Um two thousand or later, yes. Alright, so two thousand to now, not a ball sport, male single team sport. Okay. Does this hmm. Does this event or this moment involve winning the pinnacle event in your sport? Wow, lot lot to digest there. Well, like a world championship and Olympic games, you know. That, I, I wanted to say that. But who like, am I to say whether it's the pinnacle or not? I don't. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, I'll rephrase that. Mm. Is it a world championship sporting moment? No. Okay. Damn, sorry, might have been a waste. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, you got one more. Craig, I need you, a got, guess. you got one more. Um, does it involve a New Zealand individual athlete or a New Zealander? Does it involve a New Zealander? Correct. Yes, it does. Can only be one right. thing. Oh, of course, Steph. Yes, go on. Then you you, you <laughs> can have your last guess, which is the which is the guess that pick in the lock then. Um, if it can only be one thing. Um, oh, no, it could be a number of things, but one sprung to my mind. But I think it'd be too easy, and Sam wouldn't do it. Right. Have a stab, Craig. Have a stab. One one sprung to Steph's mind. That's kind of almost put me off. Um, something in the northern hemisphere, not a ball sport. Um, let's go with Zoe Sadowski's infinite winning uh, last week at the X Games. Wow, I mean, you got to a weird place, but I'm all for it. Let's have a look and see if you're correct. Oh, <laughs> didn't even have to no, punch. Didn't even have to punch it in. The vault just spat it straight back out. Steph. As you went down that part, you might. Oh have... no, it was a male. Sorry, it was a male. That, that was dumb of me. Yeah, you, yeah the pressure right. goes on. The pressure goes on at the yeah, telling yeah. time. But so, we know it's not Zoe, so that's good.
yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was yeah. Yeah, how stupid, eh? I, I always laugh at people when they ask, is it a team sport? And the answer is yes, and then they go down the individual route. So I've just done exactly the same. No, hey, it's the pressure. Anyway. Good on you, Craig. All good. Thanks for having a crack at it. Um, it's the pressure. So in summary, pressure. male, yes, it's an individual male sport that occurred in the Northern Hemisphere after the year 2000, not involving a ball sport, mm-hmm. not a world championship, but it is a Kiwi. Kiwi. So it's a Kiwi male performing in the Northern Hemisphere by himself after the year 2000, didn't have balls. That's that, it. That's the vault. Still don't know. <clears throat> we'll play again on, will it play on Monday? No, it's going to be Tuesday, isn't it? Because uh, Waitangis were changing sort of, changing the structures of our show. So uh, we'll play round two of the vault. When you get five questions, I'm happy to jump in with one. If you want, it'll be $150 TRB bonus bet. That will be up for grabs. So, but Craig, it's very hard to get it on day one, but you certainly have made some inroads and people have got three days to have a little think about it. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Just sort of quickly run through the leaderboard at the um, latest of the DP World Tour, formerly known as, well, currently, I think it's also the European Tour. But anyway, uh, Yo Hisatsune uh, shot lights out. Uh, 64 he shot for an 8-under. He leads by two over uh, three golfers on 6-under. Matthew Baldwin, Eduardo Molinari, brother of Francisco, and uh, Rasmus Hogard all at six under, and then Ryan Fox at five under. He tees off 12.30 local time, which I don't know what time that is here in New Zealand, um, but well worth a watch. I said before the tournament, I think he is a definite winning chance, and he's proven that. So he was paying $17 before the off uh, yesterday to win the tournament, and he is now, given that he is now in front of 95% 95% of the field as he fills and pads to wait for it to open. Is he going to make it before the news hits? Let's hope he does. Ryan Fox, $8. And Rasmus Hogard is at six fifty. Foxy, over the tummy bug, still in great nick. Wishing well over the weekend. It'll be good viewing. We'll come back after 3 o'clock. We're going to be talking sports streaming. Righto, uh, just a reminder, tomorrow at 10 o'clock on the Saturday session, a massive, potentially the biggest sports star that's ever been on SENZ, Sam. Could we push the boat out that far? He's sort of nonchalantly not top five anyway, top three probably. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, probably. But at the same time, you'd have to say like Baz, in terms of that sort of global audience because of all the Indians, you'd say Baz would probably be up there as one of the, one of the biggest names you could get. He but, was on every day, but too. But let's just say months. this person is is very, very, very big in a in a specific country. Yes, a, a very big globally, but specifically a, a big country. And when I heard that he was coming on the show, I just went coming on the Saturday. I'm like, how come we can't um, say who it is? Because the Saturday session have tweeted out that they've got this person coming on. And they said, but we're not telling you who it is yet. You have to tune in at 10. So I don't want to cut their lunch. So if they want to keep it a secret, they can keep it a secret. Right, okay. But is doing the interview live. Okay. Maybe we need to find out if we can say. I mean, look, without going into work admin on air, they 100% should tell us who it is so that people know they definitely need to tune in as opposed to, well, it might just be Larry from the uh, Pickleball 
championships in nah, southern Utah. Bigger than that. I know, but yeah. Anyway. I feel like I'm just going to say it. Nah, now. don't. Don't. <laughs> Double eight, double three is our text machine number. It's always open to you. But yesterday, we were talking about the uh, sporting broadcasting landscape. Um, now, we're no experts about this, so we've got Colin J. Smith. He is the principal with Global Media Sports. Now, what he doesn't know hasn't been made up yet. So Colin joins the show now. Colin, really appreciate you chatting with us today. Thank you. Very look. Look forward to having a chat with you. It's a really important topic. Yes, it is. And j- just, I was thinking about TV through my lifetime. Way, way back when I was a kid, we had a black and white TV with one channel. Then it went two, and we thought it was luxury. We've seen the introduction of satellite TV with Sky here with all of our sports on there. There was a streaming service called Spark, which has just announced it's folding. They couldn't compete. And then we've got streaming services as well. Can you give us a bit of a path of the sports broadcasting landscape, maybe for for the last ten, fifteen years, where we are, where we have got to now? Okay, it's a really good question. So, what has changed in that in the last ten years has been the arrival of major players on, firstly, on pay television, and we saw that in in New Zealand. Uh, with Sky, we saw that in Australia with Foxtel, and we've seen the the huge uh, sports broadcaster on cable in the United States of ESPN, which is owned by Disney, and that's been the trend right around the world. Now, what's happened since then has been the arrival of what is called OTT. In other words, it's a streaming across the internet of content, and that's had a huge growth and it's embraced been embraced globally by people like you and I who are wanting to watch our own programs and being more selective on what we what we actually view and the change to that is meant that the prices that pay television used to charge on a monthly rate was quite significant where now I can get an OTT service you know, generally for about $10 a month to $15 a month. So, you know, purported savings. And there is a massive OTT services out there, especially in the world of sport. And But the key challenge, and this is another global issue, is for sport, you need the premium sport and the must-watch sport. So in the case of New Zealand, the must-watch sport is clearly, unequivocally, um, rugby. And say in Australia, that would be the AFL and the NRL. And so if you've got those, the consumer, the sports fan, will certainly engage with you. The other problem, though, and in your questions in the lead-up to this, is none of the providers are actually making a huge amount of money right now. In fact, most OTT providers, including in sport, are loss makers. So it's a a really interesting world how it's changed in the last 15 years. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, because what we're seeing, Colin, and I've always said, um, 
New Zealand's strength and New Zealand's weaknesses, we've got a small population. So I don't see New Zealand rugby creating its own broadcasting arm and selling pay-per-view matches because there just wouldn't be enough subscribers. So it sits on our satellite platform. In America, we're seeing NBA have a streaming service, NFL, ice hockey, all of these things have their own streaming service and it's like going to this you don't go to the supermarket and put stuff in your trolley you don't want but with our full package at sky you know i get the food channel and a comedy channel and a document i don't want all that i just want my sport but i have to get the whole lot to watch my sport can you see that changing for a market small like new zealand it's um it's tough because what news what sky needs is you having the broad package so they can monetize um, across not only on rugby but on all the other services. So they're you know, they're trying to extract uh, more dollars from you to make it equitable for them. And frankly, that's because of the the rights fee they have to pay New Zealand Rugby, which is very significant. Um, but I think the last deal was over a hundred million New Zealand dollars. Mm. Um, that's very significant. So how they get a return out of that is you, because New Zealanders love their rugby, um, and so therefore I will subscribe to Sky to get rugby, uh, but therefore I'm going to get a broader package so I, um, Sky can get, you know, frankly, more fees out of you to make it viable for them. Can you tell me in Australia, because I've never lived in Australia the the model over there, so there's, you've got your Channel 9, 7, 10, you've got Fox, and then there's this player called KO, and it seems like KO uh, has most sports, but they're, they're not the broadcast partner. I, I can't get my head around it. Okay, so uh, that's a good question. And we're, we're a little bit different to New Zealand in the sense of we've got a thing called anti-siphoning in Australia where the government decrees that certain sports and certain sports events must be on free-to-air television. Mm-hmm. And when and we're now changing, free-to-air television can be linear or it can also be streamed. So um, Channel 7, for instance, has in the new deal for the AFL, will be able to broadcast AFL both on their linear TV but also streaming um, and that's the, w- the way of the world. Now, in Australia, our pay t- television operator is Foxtel. Uh, they also own um, two streaming services. Uh, one's called Binge, which is general entertainment, and the second is KO, and they wholly own that. And KO is purely a sports OTT service. Right. So all content that is on Foxtel is also on KO, but I can get a sports subscription only on KO. Um, And that's significantly cheaper than if I buy a package on Foxtel, which is exactly the same as Sky. It's including general entertainment and and movies, etc. Can you tell me the price difference between a full Foxtel and a KO package? Have you got that off the top of your head? Yeah, top of my head, it's about... I think KO is now about $25 a month. Um, and I think it, the full package on Foxtel is about 45 to $50 a month. And say two years ago, that was $75 a month. 
Wow. Well, and the KO, uh, the KO service is all streaming, so you'll get it through your phone and cast it to your TV. Is, is it just simply streaming? It's purely streaming, and it's it's a, it's really modelled on ESPN Plus, which is the streaming sports service in the United States for Disney. Uh, so it's and it's all content. So all of the Foxtel content for sport is on KO. So it's NRL, AFL, uh, cricket, etc. So it is the it is the must uh, visit place for sports content in Australia. Now, I read that Disney Plus has got something like 100 million subscribers, but they're losing billions of dollars a year. How, how does that turn around, or will it will it just slide away and we're going to look at a whole new um, format for watching our sport? Uh, that is a, the, the billion-dollar question, and mm-hmm. frankly, it, it's a fundamental question. Um, it, so all of the streaming players other than Netflix, are losing money as we speak. Wow. And so, so the issue is either they've got to put up their their rates to us, the consumers, or they need to um, increase their number of subscribers, which is now challenging because there's so many providers available, um, or they've got to reduce the cost of their content. Now, I can't see premium sport reducing anytime soon because um, global fans still love their sport and it's interesting that's still the case with the the younger generations like uh, Gen Z. The sport, they are still passionate sports um, followers. They follow it differently and that's why OTT is very attractive to uh, to them. Why is it attracting attractive to the supplies? You've just mentioned there all streaming services are losing money except Netflix. Um, why are they getting into the market if it's a money loser? Is, is there something on the horizon that's going to turn it around? Um, the the issue, well, the, the, there's two, two answers to that question. Firstly, the consumer wants to watch this uh, their sport, their general entertainment, increasingly on a streaming service, which they can then put onto their television, or put it, watch it on their smartphone or their um, their tablet. Uh, so there's a there is a consumer desire, and this is a global issue, uh, to watch more of their television on a streaming service. The issue is that. Right now, they're not making money. Uh, none of them are. And what I can see is there'll be consolidation across the industry. Mm. So it will actually go reconsolidate. Where say there, are, I think I think I've got at home now something like seven streaming services. Wow. And and if you th- and and if you think about that, they're, they're somewhere between ten and fifteen dollars. You multiply that up, that's more than you'd pay for the Foxtel service. Um, so I can see the world reconsolidating um, and there will be the winners and the losers in this, but the winners will, ha- will be wanting, in, in the case of sport, must retain the, 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 the must-have sports. And frankly, that's why Spark 
ultimately um, was not successful because other than getting the World Cup, uh, they, they could not get break into rugby. And rugby is the, the, the total dynamic for sport in New Zealand as far as viewership is concerned. I'm not saying that's not, you know, you're very strong across a, a broad spectre of sports and a lot of interest, but it, what, what holds it all together is rugby. Can you see a time, Colin, because th- this would be, and I'm just talking about me individually, a time when there's a central hub and I say, this weekend I want to watch Manly play Canberra, I want to see Hawthorne play the Demons, I want to see um, the Auckland Blues against the Crusaders, and I want to watch um, a bit of Tour de France, and it's like $2, $4, $3, $2, there's my basket purchase from a central broadcasting hub. Yeah, I actually think you're right. And that's why I was talking about the consolidation model. I can see it reconsolidating up. And then how you buy off that package, you could buy a selection of what what you want to watch and therefore you'll pay a package cost for that um, or you'll pay, you know, one week you'll pay X, um, next week you might pay X or 2x, double that, because there's more content you want to watch. Mm. I can actually see uh, the, the market reconsolidate. But the future of just general entertainment packages plus sport uh, per se, I think that's challenging. We're talking to Colin. Consumers don't want it. Yeah, talking to Colin Smith. Um, he's Global Media Sports. What What do you think the next... The next thing is, one thing I think has been great for sport, sports broadcasting, has been the drive to survive, the break point. I know they're making one at the moment behind the scenes of the PGA Tour. They're doing behind the scenes of Six Nations. Um, this, I just feel like there's a convergence somewhere of magazine type sports stories, which will increase the appetite to watch those sports. C- can you see a combination of of documentary-type stuff falling into increased viewership of live sport? Because I know Drive to Survive has converted so many people, even my producer, who now buys the streaming service from F1, and he watches the race from a cockpit of Max Verstappen's car. So uh, docu-series are are going to um, increase dramatically, and that's going to have a flow-on effect to the sport and the sport to the docu-series. Um, and you know it's interesting how Netflix is playing in that that territory. They're saying sports rights are too expensive for them because if they have to buy globally. But what they have done and been very successful with is these series of docu series. And frankly, so is Apple. You know, the I don't know if you, you've seen it, but there is a, a excellent program on the the Super League War, which was when um, 12 clubs out of the Champions League in Europe uh, decided to exit from Champions League and form their own league. Mm. Now, three days later, that all imploded. And this is a a brilliant uh, docu-series on Apple TV+. And there's another one on FIFA. So I think they're they're really compelling viewing and actually reinforces why I want to watch the events themselves. The other part of that is increasingly young people are following not leagues 
they're following teams and they're following individuals. You know, they're following the stars. So therefore, a docu-series on certain athletes, certain players, and some of the exciting parts of that uh, will be increasingly popular, especially the Gen Z. Finally, can you see Netflix, the other only streaming service making money, can you see them moving into live sport or, or, or live anything? Uh, yes, I can. Um, and I, what I would see them doing, and they've been masters at this, of uh, not necessarily going for the premium sports in the world, i.e. football, NFL, or rugby in New Zealand, or uh, AFL, NRL in Australia. But what I could see them doing is funding a global leagues where they think they can, uh, with what you've just been talking about with docu-series, and building a personality of uh, a niche sport mm. and, uh, and taking that to the world. Because one of the things that Netflix uh, wants to do, uh, they don't want to be doing uh, geographic territory uh, deals. They would want to be doing global deals. And they could actually do quite well with this. And when you think about the phenomena of what's happened with T20 cricket, you know what? 12, 15 years ago, it didn't exist. And look at it today. It's just huge. Um, and if so, if Netflix got on to a, a sport such as that that was attractive to especially the Gen Z um, and, and globalise it, hold this space. <laughs> Colin Smith, I've really appreciated your insights. You have lifted the lid and um, explained it brilliantly to, to me in the audience. Um, thank you so much, Colin. Uh, brilliant chat. Absolute pleasure. Speak soon. There you go. There you go. Interesting times. The, 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 the possibility of Netflix as a streaming service uh, bringing you some live sport. They are a behemoth. They're the only streaming service company in the world that make money. It's fascinating what's going to take shape and how we watch our sport over the next uh, over the next few years. So I appreciate Colin coming on chatting us today. I, I've got a text in here saying, Staff, I was in Rotorua two weeks ago, Superstock World 240s. 20 other cars trying to smash Frankie <laughs> Wayneman. He kept going and still got third. It was an unreal race. Oh, I'm, I would love to go. And I've had a number of people saying, Staff, come down to Palmy, come to the team champ. I can't. I, um, I'm committed to going to the New Zealand Grand Prix on Sunday at Hampton Downs. So I'll still be motorsporting on Sunday. Uh, pit crew for Billy Fraser, official pit crew. I've been told what time I have to get there for my briefing. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I think it'll either be uh, holding the lap board out or just moral support. Go, Billy and cheering as he drives right. That's probably my official role. Anyway, some good text messages and more news on this mysterious star that's going to be joining Saturday session uh, at 10 o'clock tomorrow. More news on that after this break. Right, so um, Manaya is doing the interview for the Saturday session with this big star. Craig has sent through an idea, and I'm, 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 I'm down with this idea. Craig has said... Can you run a, get a competition guessing who it might be that is on the show tomorrow at 10 o'clock? The guesses could be interesting. So for the next 10 minutes, text in your guesses. 
text in your guesses. Have you got a cryptic clue, Manoia? You're going to be the one doing the interview. Have you got a cryptic clue um, to help them, maybe just to eliminate something? Not even too cryptic, but uh, just to back up the fact that it's a pretty big interview, this is a, um, he's a Hall of Famer, right, in his given sport? Uh, if not, he probably will be slash should be. He should be. What uh, about the country? Could we give it the country? Or oh, that, that probably would give the it away. The country would narrow it down. Mm, um, too much. But this is a bona fide international uh, athletics superstar. Ath- the word athletics probably going to throw you off a little bit on this one. But, uh, <laughs> but he is. He's a, he's a bona fide superstar in his sport. Yeah. Um, his whole career was spent in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's involved in a team sport. He is. Uh, I'm just using the vault typical questions, um, and he was involved post 2000. Yes, he was. And probably the biggest clue. Shall mm. I do it? It's a ball sport. There, mm. there is a ball involved. Mm-hmm. So text through double eight double three your guesses. Can I just say the person that's like Costa who said Sachin Tendulkar, like it's not that big. Well, like, no, no, it's no, not, no, 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 hold on. Like, it's, I it's would big, say he's bigger. But can I? Can we just prove it's not like it's not one of the goats? Like it's not a tiger, or a or a Tom Brady, or a, Tom Brady. Or a Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah okay. But probably in that next bracket. Down. I'd say yeah, probably tier two, tier two of your pyramid, tier two of your pyramid in this particular sport. So text three questions, double uh, your guesses, double eight, double three. I reckon we'll get about twenty entries, and I reckon one will get it right. One will get it I right. I don't think any of them will. Sam doesn't think any of them will. No, right. I'm under, over under for me is zero. Get them in. Get them in. you got 10. I'll go over. <laughs> get them, yeah, but I was going to text in. Double eight, double three with your guesses. Who's the big star, the big name that's coming on SENZ tomorrow? New sport and weather, get your text in. The guesses are storming in. We've decided, collective agreement, we'll keep the, we'll keep the lines open for uh, the text machine open for about 20 minutes So because we've got so many guesses and it's fun. And it is fun. Um Keep texting in. No one's right yet. Um, but for now, soon we're going to go over across the ditch and talk to Jimmy Smith. But before we do that, let's have a look back in the day. Here's what happened back in the day. 1960s, Tottenham Hotspur scored the most goals in one half of an FA Cup match during their 13-2 fourth round replay victory over Crew Alexandra at White Hart Lane. They lead 10-1 at halftime. <laughs> Smell of fix. Uh, 2002, the New England Patriots won Super Bowl 1, 2, 3, 36, 2017 over the LA Rams in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was the first Super Bowl victory for the Pats at the beginning of what would become the Brady Belichick dynasty. Seven seconds. They got Vinatieri in range. I'll tell you what Tom Brady just did gives me goosebumps. Here comes one of greater importance if he makes it. And it's right down the pipe. Adam Vinatieri. No time on the clock, and the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Unbelievable. Tell your voice box to get a bit more excited. Unbelievable. On the same day, six years later, Eli Manning threw a 13-yard touchdown pass to Flexico Burris uh, with 35 seconds less left, uh, which boosted the New York Giants to one of the greatest upsets Super Bowl history with a victory over the previously unbeaten New England Patriots. 
one of the greats. Happy birthday, DKM. Dancing shoes on, bye-bye. Look out, the man on the moon has got a visitor courtesy of Cyrus Reiner. This guy can strike it miles. He's come to the party just when it matters. Oh, extraordinary. Danny Morrison, happy birthday champion. Um, Afisa Tanu'u, former All Black uh, halfback and a Samoan international cricketer himself, born in 1970. Big Brad uh, was born in 1975. Siggy, Ben Sigmund, former Ewick, uh, Ewicks. He's a former Ewicks, former All Whites and Phoenix. <laughs> so if you've played for the All Whites and the Phoenix, you have now played for the Ewicks. Uh, he's a stalwart, 1981. Martin Topo. Not to power. Martin Topo. He's Kiwi League uh, forward. Lima Sopoanga, friend of the show. Whenever you've interviewed someone on your show, they become a friend of the show. Lima Sopoanga, 1991. He was born. Bryn Hall, born in 92. And Paige Harrigan, Kiwi surfer. Paige Hurrigan? Paige Harrigan? Paige Hurrigan? Paige Hurrigan? Paige Harrigan? Says Hurrigan on my paper. Happy birthday, Paige, Kiwi Surfer. On this day, the number one movie was Terms of Endearment. What a film. And the number one song, I'm taking my headphones off. It is Paige Hurrigan's birthday, but she's a tennis player, not a surfer. <laughs> hence the, hence the uh, confusion. Let's run through some of your guesses. Shall I say whether they're right or not? Because the people that might think they're right, they might want... So I'll say whether you're right or wrong and you can go again. Okay. Stephen Adams. No. If Minaj's doing the interview of a big sports star, I'm going to guess. Stephen Adams. No. Sashin Tendulkar. No. Winston Reid. No. Tom Brady, if it was Tom Brady, Sam would be doing the interview. Is he a Kiwi? No. David Beckham? No. My serious guess after Novak, oh, is Novak after the Australian Open win? No. Is it Sir Alistair Cook? No. Is it Stephen Donald? No. Uh, is the guest Mark Stafford from Palmerston North? No. <laughs> is it Chris Wood? No. Hi, lads. My guest for tomorrow's interview is Sean Marks from Rushy. No. Um, Gianni Infantino Craig haven't nailed it is it Lionel Messi is it Sepp Blatter oh I'd love Sepp Blatter Greg Norman I'd love Greg Norman no 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 Vitaly Klitschko no Ben Stokes is the guest tomorrow from AJ no is it Ryan Giggs no I know it's got to be Tom Brady no it's not is it Ryan Giggs no it's not um, must be a superstar. I'm going to go for Usain Bolt, the A-League superstar. No, I'd love Usain Bolt. Charles Barkley would be one of my favourites, but it's not him. Can I give a clue? Ben Stokes, Jamie from Wanaka. No. So all the guesses we've had in are wrong. You can give a clue, Manai. Is this cryptic? I, you, you're one of the smartest, wittiest people I know. Thank you. Um, tell them how good looking I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. All right. First clue is... We've got five seconds, actually. Sorry, Klitschko uh, is pretty busy at the moment. Uh, Stephen Adams is on the right track. Getting himself sorted over there. I'm sorted. There, I'm sorted, yeah. Sorry. How are you going, champion? 
<laughs> little late to the ad break previously. Well, mate, we're just such a popular show. We've got a, got so many ads to get across because so many people want to be involved with Afternoons with Steffi. So, you know, them first. <laughs> Look, I, t- I totally understand. I totally understand. <laughs> hey, our talk topic for today, mate, is hometown beatdowns. Now, this is on the back of the Sydney Sixers being raging favourites to take uh, to beat the Brisbane Heat last night in the BBL. By mm. the way, do you guys get across the BBL at all? Um, we do. Uh, if I'm perfectly honest, I feel like the interest over here has waned a little bit since the likes of your your big international superstars were playing it, like the Chris Gale and, and stuff like that. And um, I know it's it seems to have recovered over there for your Australian viewers, which is fantastic. Mm. It's a fantastic competition for your domestic cricket, as I've got to say, but doesn't capture me much now as it used to when we had Chris Lynn and Bass McCallum up there at Brisbane, the Bash Brothers. I used to love that era. Yeah, I tell you what, Chris Lynn would walk out to bat. Didn't quite happen in the last three or four years, but he'd walk out to bat, and you had to watch. Yes, you just and and Brendan McCullum was a a little bit the same. So anyway, the Heat got it done very comfortably. Uh, well, reasonably comfortable. They should have been more comfortable. Uh, Michael Nisa, the star in that one. So the hometown beatdown. So this is what we're getting from listener Paul. How about Australia two breaking the one hundred and thirty-two years of dominance in the America's Cup? See, that's perfect. Amazing hometown beatdown. Beautiful. Yeah. How about Sir Edmund yeah. Hillary being the first one to climb Everest? <laughs> but didn't he do it with uh, Sherpa Tenze? Sherpa Tenzing, yeah. But... Tenzing, yeah. So he was a hometown fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they did it fair. together. Yeah, okay. well, they, weren't racing, they didn't race each other to the top, did they? <laughs> I've, never found out who's, I've never found out whose foot actually hit the crater on the top first. Never found that out. So he didn't say, oh, Sherpa Tenzing, look over there. And then as he turned, <laughs> Sir Edmund started running up, running up the hill. Is that, that was not, that, we knocked the bastard off. Isn't that, that what he said? That's what he said. Jeez, you're good on your New Zealand history. Yeah, we knocked the bastard off. Mm. Um, uh, can, can, you, so, can you inform us? I know you're probably doing this yeah. ad nauseum, but we're not because we've just – we're not across the CBA. There's just no progress coming out. Josh Adokar's just made himself unavailable for the Indigenous All-Stars game. Is there anything behind that? Is there any oh, more developments? Look, it's, a, it's a good question, mate. I've reached out to people at Canterbury just to get some clarification. We've had a few uh, text messages saying, oh, do you think this is um, the first sign that the RLPA are doing? Do you think it's Gus Gould and Cameron Serrato putting their foot down and saying, no, what you're doing for the Bulldogs is more important? I don't think either of those men would stop Josh Adokar from playing in the Indigenous All-Stars game. Like this is the, It's a really important game for them. And they're playing for them for motivations beyond, hey, it's a first game and, hey, it's it's a, a, you know, a, a game that we need to win or want to win. They're really, really... Um, aware that they're representing their people. Josh is a great Indigenous leader. I think mm. he's a great leader, full stop, within the game. I, I, I can't say it other than um, it's a very, very um, legitimate reason that Josh Adokar has pulled out of this one. As far as the CBA goes, mate, it's, it, it's, it really is a he said, he said situation. You, you, um, you're not really sure what to believe. There's very little that's coming out, which is a positive, right? There's no... No, not leaking like a sieve, but um, depending on who you speak to, uh, it's it's no ground given and the simmering uh, discussion or the next person will say, no, they've made good progress around the mm. NRLW. What I do know is this, Staffy, that whichever way it comes down, whichever way it's portrayed, and I hope that strike action doesn't happen, um, especially across the NRL, 
but the the weight of public opinion will side most definitely against the players in this one. Mm. Has anyone said the phrase, if it's not sorted out, we're not playing? Well, um, Adam Elliott went on Breakfast Radio in Newcastle today and he his direct quote was that if we don't have something from the NRL in 48 hours, then quote-unquote, something extreme will occur. Wow. So re- read into that what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... 60 NRL players that are getting together over the course of this weekend, starting today. And Andrew Abdo, who has said earlier this week he'd like the opportunity to address NRL players, will be given that opportunity. So, oh, to be a fly on the wall for that one, Staffy. Jeepers. I just wonder what something varies. Do do they climb onto the roof of the NRL head office with placards and flower bombs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, and, you know, what do we want? Oh, not more money, a seat at the table. But yeah. everyone perceives it as they want more money. It's more than that. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's, it's completely more than that. It's, it's so much more than that. And, and we're really light on details too, aren't we? Yeah. I, mean, I, had a, I had a conversation with Sammy, your man Sammy, off air, and was saying, well, the money that they want to put aside for um, this players fund, does that come from the NRL? Well, the NRL saying, yeah, well, we're putting $60 million in. And then the Players Association say, no, you're not. You're only putting in $15 million. Well, it's a number, right? It's, it's a definitive number. One of them's right and one of them's wrong, or maybe they're both wrong. I don't know. But it, that's why people are really struggling with it, Staffy. Yeah, and silence creates speculation. I've always said that. If you don't tell us what the truth is, people will make up the truth, and that's, that's horrific. Yeah, yeah, really good point. Hey, you want to know the other hometown beatdown that I wanted to make mention of? Okay. I know where this I don't know what it is, but I know the theme. <laughs> Round one, nineteen ninety five, Mount Smart Stadium. Mm. Do you remember? Yeah. The Auckland Warriors, the homecoming, the drums were beating, they walked out through that tunnel, remember? Yeah. Dean Bell. Army helicopters, paratroopers. Yeah, all of that. All of that. And unfortunately, the Brisbane Broncos spoiled the party. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. But what a what a night that was! The whole country was watching. It was fantastic. But we just happened to come up with one of the best teams in the comp. Uh, one of the best teams in the comp, twenty five, twenty two. You know who was the star of the night? Phil Blake. Um, well, a, 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 well, close, Blakey. Uh, a bloke named Alan Langer. Uh, scored two tries, kicked a goal and kicked a field goal. Thanks very much. And now he runs water incessantly. He's on the field as much now as he used to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His game time was less than what it is now uh, in, that, in that game back in, back in round. 29,220 people. Yeah, couldn't fit another one in. Couldn't fit a single yeah. soul in. Were you there that night, Staffy? No, I was at home watching it on TV, Palmerston North. Glory days. Uh, glory days, absolutely. Mm. Uh, what's on for the weekend, mate? <laughs> We've got a long weekend in here. You had Australia Day the other day. We've got Waitangi weekend uh, on Monday, so it's a, a longish weekend. I'm Actually, you'll like this, Jimmy. Um, we've taken an interest in a young fella here, Billy Fraser. He's an up-and-coming IndyCar driver, but he's back in New Zealand to race in the New Zealand Grand Prix on Sunday. I'm in the pit crew. I've been, given, I've been given my instructions. I have to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning to receive my instructions and what my duties are in the pit crew of the New Zealand Grand Prix. Cop that. 
All right. Well, just get those wheel nuts on nice and tight. <laughs> Good on your staffy. Have a great weekend, buddy. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more. And so will we. Righto, the wait is over. We're going to reveal who Manaya is talking to tomorrow for the Saturday session. All the other guesses that have come in are all wrong, except for one. If who- you're... F- Sorry, yeah. if your phone number ends in 764, you guessed it correct. Tomorrow morning, um, thanks to our partners at Foot Locker, I'm going to go down for a five-minute yarn with Dirk Nowitzki. I can't believe it! I don't believe Dirk. it. Until I'm there, I, I don't think I do believe it. But, Nowitzki. Um, yeah, Nowitzki. Uh, of Dallas Mavericks fame. Of Dallas Mavericks fame, of 2011 uh, champion, championship yeah. uh, fame. Uh, unfortunately, not of Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> not yet. So, soon to be. So maybe that's something I can ask him tomorrow. Does Best he feel ballot. snubbed? Mm. Does and he we, remember the 2002 FIBA can, World can, Champs? Can you tell us what um, the final question you've devised to ask him? Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to teach him a traditional uh, way of saying goodbye in New Zealand, and it's Fozzie's got to go and see if I can get him to repeat that. <laughs> and then there's your headline. <laughs> and the hero. Nowitzki backs Razor for coach. Yeah, Nowitzki <laughs> says Fozzie's got to go. Oh, brilliant. So that is at 10 o'clock tomorrow. I can see Kimberly Downs. I can see Mitchell McLennigan, Mitch Savage. What a run home show. They will have packaged up for you from four until seven for the run home. So stick around for them. And Dirk Nowitzki tomorrow on the Saturday session with Manaya and crew at 10 o'clock. That will be fantastic. Enjoy your long weekend. Dry yourselves out. Been great to have your company. Thank you to Manaya. Thank you heaps to Sammy Hewitt as well. Good fun few days. We'll catch you all from Tuesday for me, but the station keeps on rolling.